Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, in for John Kanzano, here's Peter Sampson and Judah Newby with the Bald Face Truth. Welcome into the program. I'm Peter Sampson alongside Judah Newby and Stephen Vaughn. JC's got the day off today. Well deserved. It's great to be with you on uh, what's turning out to be a pretty great Tuesday, especially if you are a sports fan, and I presume you are. Here in the state of Oregon, you know, or Southwest Washington, wherever you're at, if you're listening to this show, you're probably a fan of the local teams. Obviously, the Oregon Ducks rolling, just absolutely rolling after uh, week one. I remember when Dan Lanning was first hired, I remember thinking, you know, there's probably going to be some in-game coaching issues that will have to get figured out. I wonder if he figured those out in a game that they were going to lose anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the adjustments seem to have been made. The offense looks great. Defense looks fairly uh, well uh, well uh, honed as well. Ducks rolling. Oregon State Beavers. Remember last year? Can they get bowl eligible? Let's go, baby. Hey, the L.A. Bowl. We'll take it. That's awesome. It's been years. Jonathan Smith has this program on the rise. Well, here we are. It's October 25th. They're already bowl eligible. Looking for more. Ducks fans happy, Beavers fans happy, but I have to start with the Portland Trailblazers. Trailblazers fans, after years, several years of uh, uncertainty, disappointment, I dare say boredom, controversy, the Portland Trailblazers are absolutely rolling to start this NBA season. I mean, they just look great. And it's one thing to be 4-0 for the first time since 1999, by the way, to be one of two unbeaten teams left in the NBA along with the Milwaukee Bucks to be on top of the Western Conference. Yeah, I know. We're 5% of the way through the season. But you can only play who's in front of you. And the way they're doing it is, this is going to sound crazy, it's with defense. And it's not exclusively Damian Lillard simply out shooting the other team. Now, we've seen examples of that. He won Western Conference Player of the Week with back-to-back 41-point games. But in Game 1, it wasn't Dame with the buzzer beater. It was Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart. In Game 2, it was Anthony Simons who hit the game winner. In Game 3, it was Jeremy Grant again rolling to the rack. And then last night... In an absolute beatdown, we were treated to this. Absolutely, they're going to call technical fouls. So he said that was one way I was able to kind of tamp down that enthusiasm of heart. And Simons is officially on fire. On fire. I'm only going to play one of them because it's a three-hour show. I would run out of time if I played every Anthony Simons highlight that got recorded last night. The dude was unconscious. It was one of those moments where and I don't know if you've ever been to a sporting event where you realize, hey, we're witnessing something here. Like we've all been to sporting events, we've all seen great things, but sometimes 
you really see something. You know, whether it's a quarterback going for, you, you know, a team record in yardage or in passing touchdowns, whether it's one of those nights where Dame's getting 50 or, as I've seen in person, 60, whether it's, uh, you know, C.J. McCollum getting 50 in only three quarters, there's a certain buzz. There's an electricity to the crowd. You realize we are seeing something special. We're going to see something that's getting going to get talked about a few years from now. Well, Anthony Simons... 22 in the third, eight straight makes, six of them from three. He was absolutely unconscious, and he was the dude last night. Do you believe in the Portland Trail Blazers? I was very skeptical. I was so down on this team in preseason. And I, I look, and I'm glad I always said the caveat, there's only so much you can take away from preseason. But they look bad. The schemes look terrible. I don't love the rotations. Well, the rotations look good now, don't they? And uh, the scheme makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? Things are looking very good. They're sixth in offense. They're ninth in defense. They're ninth after giving up 110 last night to Denver. They held Jokic to a triple single, the back-to-back MVP. Do you believe in the Portland Trailblazers? 503-417-7575. I'm to the point where I am believing Now, I need to clarify what my version of believing is. This is a team I said, man, if everything goes right, I think they're going to get that eight seed. And then I saw in the preseason, I go, ooh, they're going to struggle to be a play-in team. No, this team's going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to have home court advantage. I'm not saying they're not going to go through rough patches. This team is going to make the playoffs. This is a seven seed or better. Now, the schedule is a gauntlet coming up. But the way they're playing is so sustainable. They're not relying on 41 from Dame. Dame had his uh, typical performance against Denver. Dame had a poor performance against Phoenix. Those games last year or two years ago, I should say, Portland loses those games. Portland's 2-2. Two and two. Not to mention the uh, improved play on the wings, uh, the trust that you're seeing Dame passing up. The last shot because he actually believes in his teammates. And oh, by the way, their best on-ball defender, Gary Payton II, is coming back any day. The Trailblazers are in good shape, but is it real or is it fool's gold? 503-417-7575. Fellas, is the Blazer fan in me just coming out and wanting to believe, or is there something here? I think they. you have to say they're better than we thought they were going to be. But what does that exactly mean? I still think it's a seven seed, you know, or an eight seed. I don't necessarily think it's any higher than that, and I could be wrong. But look, man, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. It's been four games, and it's a it's a new scheme still. I know Chauncey's in his second year, but in terms of opponent game planning for you, like everything is still new about this team, and they're taking advantage of that fact, and they're playing good ball. I mean, Denver last night, they're down eight after one quarter. And they end up winning by 25. That's freaking nuts. I mean, and Fernie going off was huge to see because he had been a slow starter for the first three games. Then he just caught fire. He could not miss in that third quarter. So, to me, it's it's a little bit of the style in which they're accomplishing this. Uh, defensively, it's a fun team. Fast break. Flying around. Getting steals. Passing lanes. Making things happen. Taking down the roof of Moda Center last night. Like, I don't know, man. It's hard not to get excited, but at the end of the day, it's too small of a sample size for me to to say this is fundamentally changing my opinion of where they finish in the standings. How they get there still might, you know, surprise me, but at the same time, 
I, I really feel like, you know, I still need to see it a little bit more in order to fully buy in. Yeah, I mean, the thing I was worried about was can Chauncey Billups coach? I think in the first four games, he's proven he at least has some sort of identity of what he wants to do, right? Like you said, get out and run, get in passing lanes. Last night, 26 fast break points. When was the last time the Wizards get 26? Years. Fast? Exactly. Years. And those are easy points, right? Those are easy buckets that the Blazers are getting. They're causing turnovers. Uh, you know, four, three steals, six blocks last night. It's just good to see Portland get out and run. I think Josh Hart has been awesome for how good Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons has been. Josh Hart averaging a double-double. I think it's so important because Jeremy Grant, you know, for how big athletic he is, he's not a great rebounder, but Josh Hart makes up for that. He had 16 the other day. He's yeah. low-key. Like, obviously, Dame is the MVP of the team. <laughs> not that they would ever have voting after four games, but if they did, he'd be the MVP of the league. But low-key, Josh Hart has been the MVP of this team, the way he gets out on the break. And I, I was talking to you off-air, is probably last week, Stephen. I think the new take-foul rule in the NBA is paying such dividends for the Blazers because they have a guy like Josh Hart, who's such a great rebounder, and immediately he doesn't look to outlet pass. He just grabs it and bolts up the court, and they automatically will have a four-on-three, a three-on-two advantage, and they can't take that take foul and slow him down. Yeah, and he's a great finisher inside, and in transition, like you said, he's only taken five threes in four games. Like, that is very impressive to see. Like, he's changed his game. He's playing more like a big guy and letting Jeremy Grant be that outside guy. You, talk, you guys talked about Anthony Simons. For how well he played, Dame had more points than he did, and it's just like – that's just what we expect now. So I think the good thing is Chauncey can coach a little bit. Dame is back. But I agree with both of you. Like, it's four games just like we weren't overreacting to the preseason. I'm not overreacting to four games. But I will say a lot more positive than I thought. Yeah, the one thing I really have to say is what I was hoping for this year, aside from at least some sort of postseason experience, was I just wanted it to be fun. Last year, not fun, obviously. For a multitude of reasons. The year before, the way it ended, not fun, with Dame having one of the best playoff games anyone's ever had, and no one could pick him up. You saw how frustrated he was. It hasn't been fun for Trailblazers fans in a little while. So I say, I just want to see some entertaining basketball. I want a reason to tune in. Win or lose, I want a reason to tune in. Well, I got to tell you, fellas, win or lose these first four games, it's been super entertaining. Again, the fast break. I know someone that maybe looks at the box score and sees, oh, they're 26th in assists. They're not sharing the ball. Yes, they are. It's just not catch and shoot like it used to be under Terry Stotts. It's catch and drive. A guy like Jeremy Grant getting to the rack. Josh Hart not relying on the three, even though he's a pretty good three-point shooter and getting to the rack. It's just been so refreshing and just Fun as a fan of basketball. It sounds like my uh, Seahawks takes right about now. Hey. That's, that's all I was looking for out of the Seahawks was a fun team because my expectations were not high. Five wins. They already got four out of seven games. How about this Blazer team? Where did their win total end up? I know it was around 40 at one point, but did it go even lower uh, during the preseason? I, I mean, where, where did I it got it over 40 and a half. It went down to 39 yeah, and a half. Say, you could have gotten a 39 and a half at some point. And out of the preseason, look, I know you both. Y'all were down on this team. Yes. Y'all were down on style. Y'all down were on coaching. Y'all down on Yusuf. You're down on everything. I was trying to cash out yes. my over wins, and they would. And now I'm looking at them like that's beautiful. They're going to win 45, 46. <laughs> and it, so your opinion has fundamentally changed. 
Yes. After 16 quarters of basketball. Yes, and not even as a result of the wins per se. It's the way that they're playing is so sustainable where the last few years is just, well, is Nurkic going to get in foul trouble and is one or both of CJ and Dame going to struggle? If that's the case, if you have two of those three, three things happen, you lose no matter what. And this way, they're actually playing this connected style of basketball. And Chauncey said that, and I laughed at him in the preseason. But I see what he means now. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you tweeted out, Peter, you know, you, you wanted to believe after game one. After game four, you said, I, I'm in. I believe. And, you know, not that the betting market's the whole thing, but before the season, you know, like we said, 39 and a half, 40 and a half. It's up to 43 and a half wins. So it's already been adjusted. They were favored to not make the playoffs. Now they're favored to make the playoffs after only four games. So, you know, is an overreaction or not? But I think that kind of goes to show, like, there is something fundamentally different in these four wins that they've gotten compared to last season. Now, making the playoffs is is making the final eight, right? That's right. not, yes. the, play. not, not the plan. Yeah. Not Correct. the plan. You look at the standings right now in the West. <laughs> San Antonio's three and one. We're Utah's already, we're, three and we're one. Standing watching already. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I'm th- taking my, screenshots, bro. <laughs> my my point being, like, that's weird. That is a weird looking standings right now. It is with Utah three and one, San Antonio three and one teams that we thought were really going to suck, and of course Portland at four and zero. Oh. We didn't think that they were going to, you know, full on capital T tank the way San Antonio and Utah would, but. At the same time, like, doesn't that give you a little bit of pause? Like, and I love the Blazers. I love how they're coming out of the gate swinging. But part of me thinks it's 16 quarters of basketball, and the standings right now are reflective of the nature of a season. Some teams are going to come out swinging with haymakers. We're like, holy bleep. Like, we didn't see that coming. The style might be sustainable. Is the record? That's what I don't know. And it, and to me, that still puts the Blazers. Like, who before the season that you had finishing ahead of the Blazers in the Western Conference standings, would you have not finishing ahead of them now? And I, I don't, I'm not aware of any major yeah. injuries that have gone on at this point yeah, or anything yeah. like that, but has your opinion shifted of where the Blazers are relative to the other teams that you thought would finish in front of them in the West? Because that's the other part about it. When we're prognosticating, is this the playoff team? Where do they finish in the West? You have to go down the line of the teams you think are they are – Better or worse than the Lakers, without a doubt. I, the Lakers, the to Lakers me, were, are an easy one. And there's one. Yeah, but yeah. you could argue that you know if Anthony Davis isn't going to be healthy, which there's no reason for us to believe he would be for 82 games or 70 games or whatever, then you already have the Blazers in front of the Lakers. I, who, who else? I didn't though. So there's one. I'm not impressed with Dallas or uh, with Dallas so far. Denver. I'm assuming Jamal Murray is going to get going, but he has been brutal. If he doesn't, Denver's in a lot of trouble too. So. You combine that with the way that the Blazers are playing. And again, the, you ask if the, the wins and losses is sustainable. Not necessarily. They got the gauntlet coming up over the next eight games. It's brutal. They could literally go three and five in their their next eight. If they're playing like this, I'm still a believer, guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Judah in that. Like, it is 16 quarters. I'm trying not to get overreactive and think they're going to be going to the playoffs for sure. I had them at the 10 seed at the start of the year. I agree. They're probably better than the Lakers, and that's about it for me. That's all that's changed. Um, I just will say it's a good positive start. And it's something I didn't expect. So, you know, I'm happy to be wrong right now, but uh, I still think the Blazers will be fighting for that, you know, play-in, playoff battle. What, what's been the single most, like, joyful part of this start, this 4-0 start for you? Oh. Was it the Dame in L.A.? It, Was me, it Anthony last night? For me, it's to have capable wing players on offense. Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant can actually make a play on the wing. Like we talked about, Josh Hart can get the rebound, dribble up the court, and not look like Al Rukaminu, and he can finish oh, up the hoop. Yeah, I was Jeremy having a Grant, good day. Jeremy Grant can drive to the hoop, 
finish in traffic at the end of the game for a game-winning shot. Mo Harkless couldn't do that. Like, to have those two guys... It's just so fun to watch. And I have I have two moments, and neither of them are Anthony Simons twenty two, and and neither of them are Dame's huge scoring outbursts. It's game one. Nurkic looked like garbage. Dame really, really struggled in that game. And you had the back-to-back aggressive and ones from Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant taking it to the rack, playing old-school basketball, pushing the pace, and getting the win based on those two plays. The other one is when you needed a clutch into the game bucket, Dame having the the trust to actually go to Anthony Simons for that. By the way, little baby Kareem, a uh, little skyhook in the, in the lane, which was unbelievable TM. against Phoenix. But the fact that he wasn't, because historically he'll look at Aminu, he'll look at Harkless, he'll look at whoever, and he go, I'm just taking a 30-footer. Like, there's nothing that's better than that on this team. And sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. He's got options. Cronin. He's got other places to, to, to go. Cronin Executive of the Year. <laughs> we'll see. A little early. Little early. Little early for that, but it's uh, <laughs> start, all the pieces let's, fit. Let's start the campaign push though. Cronin, Executive of the Year, Chauncey, Coach of the Year, Dame MVP. Let's start the push now. The, the one thing <laughs> that I will say though is uh, defensively, as good as they've looked, the one area that they're still struggling in is defending the three point shot. Their interior defense it looks really, really good. They swarm, uh, they switch, they hedge. They're doing all the things that a good defensive team does. They can't guard the three still, but. GP2 is coming back. And again, I don't expect him to be this massive uh, (laughs) difference maker on a poor defense. But if you're talking, hey, your only job is just to lock up a ball handler that can shoot 41% from outside. We're not expecting you to be defensive player of the year. But just, hey, handle that guy for 18 minutes. It's going to make a world of difference. Yeah, I know. And I don't want to be a a Debbie Downer or anything, but like injuries is the the other aspect to this. Because you're talking about the value of guys like Hart and... Grant, et cetera. It's like, wow, if one or two of those guys go down, or obviously, God forbid, Dame, for any extended length of time, and you have to deal with some attrition, now the foundation is cracked a little bit, and, you know, guys' roles change and adapt. Inevitably, that has to happen at some point. That's why it's hard for me to be like, absolutely stamp them in playoff team, because the adversity is going to hit. Whatever it looks like, we don't know. But when it does, how do they respond? It's I have confidence that they should respond decently, but at the same time, you don't know it until you see it with them. That's true. That's very true. Uh, I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. Justice Winslow sliding into a couple different spots. You talk about a guy that can play literally one through five, and it's funny. He doesn't do any of it super well, but he kind of can do it all. He can, oh, okay, yeah, I'll guard their big man for a few possessions. They were without him last night, and I did have in the back of my mind, man, if Nurk, who always plays Jokic well, he's a little extra motivated in that matchup, but if he goes down in foul trouble, who, you know, is Eubanks going to stop Jokic? Eubanks. <laughs> Not so much, but uh, Winslow's doing a great job. Uh, I got some faith in him to fill in, but you're right. If any major injury does happen to any of those starters, again, there's a pretty big uh, drop-off. You're possibly, especially if it's one of the wings, you're relying on. And don't get me wrong, he's looked phenomenal as in flashes. But do you want to rely on a 19-year-old rookie for 32 minutes a yes. game? If you're No, you do not. So uh, knock on this uh, for Micah here, uh, or uh, whatever this is, uh, for good health with the Portland Trailblazers. 503-417-7575 on Twitter, at Peter Sampson, at Judah Newby, at Steven underscore Vaughn. Is that right, Steven? Yeah, uh, underscore V-O-N, Vaughn. 
you got to get that changed. That's not how your last name's spelled, yeah, bro. But, but I have an A in my name, and people don't know that. It's better this way. Okay, okay, yes. Thank Underscore V-O-N. But don't ask him for his Instagram, because it'll just confuse you. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> we'll go and come back on the other side. A little bit of NBA talk, of course. We're talking Oregon Ducks. We're talking Pac-12. John Wilner joins us in our number two. And uh, Portland State head football coach Bruce Barnum Barney. in the final hour of the program. Keep it here. It's the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. I am Peter Sampson. He is Judah Newby. He is Stephen Vaughn. We're in for JC today. Appreciate you rolling with us. We're talking Trailblazers. Do you believe 4-0, first time since 99? That was a great season. We won't talk about the way it ended. Did you see Sean Hyken's tweet on uh, on that? Uh, Maybe. He he just went, like, I know Hyken's your boy, and we love Hyken. He just went too hard into the 99 reference. How I mean, so? He I just went it. for the kill. Yeah, I mean, look, man, it was such a heartbreaker if you were there. It was, it was just devastating. A lot of fun that year, though, man. He said, uh, so that means, so this is the first 4-0 start since the 99-2000 season. Therefore, this team is going to make the Western Conference Finals and blow a Game 7 lead. You know what? I'll take it. I was like, dude, we're 4-0. I love you, but that hurt. I have a feeling. I know I can pretty well. I'm pretty sure tongue was firmly implanted in cheek there. Uh, Of course, the Blazers lost that game seven to the Lakers. Stupid. Lakers are an absolute dumpster fire right now. They are not good. Let's go. Look, credit where credit is due. That's actually a pretty good defensive team, assuming AD is on the floor, which is sometimes. It's a pretty good defensive team, though. Pat Bev and LeBron, when he wants to, can play defense for a few possessions a quarter. Uh, AD is legit a good defender, and they're connected. They play good team defense. But I'm not sure how Rob Palinka has a job. Like, how long has the book on LeBron been just surrounding with shooters and LeBron is your system? Like, LeBron is the system and you just surround him with dudes that can cash the three-pointer. Like, before the Warriors changed the game, right? (laughs) And for whatever reason... It's been, what was it last year? You know, it was Westbrook, you know, they, Rondo was there, all these guys that can't shoot. And so, okay, well, we had the geriatric crew last year, you know, the team that would have been dope in 2012. That didn't work, obviously. Well, okay, so we got to get younger. Well, you got younger, but you have the same damn problem. And, I mean, Russell Westbrook, I don't want to pile on the guy. I actually, I, I kind of really like Westbrook. Uh, Let me clarify. I like Westbrook the same way I liked Kobe, which is I hate Westbrook, but I love to hate Westbrook. Does that make sense? Well, kind of. Except that with Kobe, he would still rip your heart out and you'd still love hate him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely different players, definitely different track (laughs) records. but Same type of love-hate. Exactly. Or hate-to-love. But Russ, man... He is atrocious. And I was watching that Laker Blazer game with Kim. Garbage. And I'm sitting on the uh on the couch and she's kind of tense. She gets into it a little bit. She's a she's a she's a 
pretty significant sports fan. Let's just say uh, game day is on on Saturdays, and as long as I have Michigan State on every couple weeks, we're in good shape with the oh. endless sports at the Samson household. Nice. And uh, she's kind of stressing about this, and I'm like, don't worry, dude. Westbrook is going to jack a bad three. And he does. And then it's that final possession. Lakers up one, 30 seconds left. And I said, I guarantee Russ is going to shoot a terrible shot here. I guarantee it. And he goes like one on three, one on four, and takes a 19-footer, which is like the worst shot in basketball for dudes that can make it. It's the least efficient shot. With 18 seconds left on the shot clock, he just jacks one up. I'm like, there you go. We knew that was going to happen. And if you watch the replay of that, you see Anthony Davis and LeBron both crossing half court and simultaneously, it's like synchronized shrugging. They both put their hands up like, what are you doing? They're such a mess. Westbrook, I mean, the worst problem, but it's not just Westbrook. They have no one that can, and look, if you describe basketball to a two-year-old, You say you put a ball in the basket. They have no one outside of LeBron and AD that can put a ball in the basket. Russ, 0 for 11, follows that with a 4 for 15. Magic Johnson, he of the epic tweet that always has really deep insight, he advised him to take accountability and said you should maybe start to mend your relationship with fans in the media And just worry about playing well instead of tripping out because everyone's saying you can't shoot because it's true. The Lakers, I I don't know how Rob Palinka still has a job. And I don't know if this might be the Rambuses getting in Genie Buss's ear. This might be Genie Buss. But to have talents like LeBron and AD, you can't do worse with these guys. That's so funny. It's like I was thinking about this the other day. It was the uh, LeBron's first game as a Laker, October of 18. And, uh, Paul Allen had just died, and, you know, there was going to be a dedication, et cetera, and LeBron was here. Like, I went to shoot around that day. I covered the event there. I've huh, 2019 Western Conference Finals included, I have not seen a media scrum as big as that. You told me by that. far. Didn't they have far. you in an, in an even, high, like, above the 300s even? Were you, were, were oh, you like, yeah. so high up? For the game itself, way, way high up. I've never been that <laughs> high up before, but it was just a sign of respect. They put all the important people as far away from the court as possible. It's right. a respect thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> but... I remember being on the court before the game, and Olshea walked out, and I was like, oh, well, I'll just talk to him for a little bit. I was like, hey, you know, and he's like like looking at my credentials. Say, did he scream at you? Yeah, he's like, get get out of my arena. (laughs) And then he's like, you know, sorry, man. Like, this was actually one of the more cordial moments of Olshea. Like, he says, sorry, man, I'm waiting for somebody. And so, hey, no no problem. I started talking to to Jordan Kent or whoever at the time. And uh, 30 seconds later, here comes Palenka. Walks out, you know, dabs it up with Olshea. They're like, you know, seven feet away, just chatting. And I remember thinking in my head then, I was like, one of these guys looks like a GM. One of these guys looks out of place. And to me, it was Olshea looked out of place. Because yeah. I looked at Rob, and he is, you know, dressed to the nines, like polished, bronze, shiny guy. Like, literally does look like Rob Lowe. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I'm like, damn. I was like, that dude looks like an NBA executive. And two, here we are three or four years later. And I don't know that he has a clue of what he's doing. I don't think like, he my does. My opinion on him has completely changed. Like, you know, Olshea already, you know, there was no way I was going to change my opinion on Olshea. He was in the barn at that point. Palinka, I thought he knew what he was doing. That was his first uh, year, I believe, right? Mm-hmm, Didn't they mm-hmm. just hire him to, to get LeBron, basically? Yeah. 
But, I, you know, in terms of making any moves of significance and substance around LeBron, like, he has not been able to do it. The Russell Westbrook thing, that was a bad idea from jump. We knew that. We knew that going in. We all called it the way we saw it. You like, and I were literally on the air when that right. happened. Yeah. And and at the beginning of the show, it was the Buddy Heald rumor. Like, this is done. And we're like, that's a good move. Mid-show, over the, like that, that same show, it changed. And you and I were, that makes no sense whatsoever. And here we are. And I had to just look up. Is Carmelo still on this team? Like, he would be <laughs> like the only shooter, you know, that, yeah. uh, that you could dub that way. He's not, apparently. He's somewhere else now. He's not even playing basketball at this point. But, yeah, man, it's a fundamental flaw with that team. I love to see it, frankly. It's <laughs> screw the Lakers. But um, Darvin Ham, you know, his, his hands are tied. I don't know what he can do with this team. And, Frank, I don't think Jeannie Buss really knows what she's doing either. Like, I don't know a ton about ownership, but she seems out of place. Yeah, I mean, Russ shooting 29% on the season. That's, uh, that's a rough look. He's actually doubtful today. So, you know, maybe it's just because he's injured, guys. It's kind of a break here. Okay. But, uh, no, uh, dude. <laughs> I, I talked to you, Peter. I said Russell Westbrook, like he is the most, uh, like ineffective isn't the right word, but like he hurts his team more than any other. The player most does. damaging. Yeah, player. the most damaging player in the NBA because how much he makes, how much you have to play him, and for what he brings on the court is literally nothing. Uh, you know, he's a very athletic player, but he's not a smart basketball player. We saw that in the Blazer game when he took that shot at the end of the fourth quarter, and the announcers for the Lakers are saying, "No, Russ, no." Like. Everyone knew it was a bad shot except for Russ. He takes the shot and misses. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are in serious trouble, man. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I blame it all on Palenka. I like to blame LeBron a little bit. You know, I'm a big uh, LeBron hater guy. Hey, hey, keep I that feel, same energy. I feel like. Steven, keep that same energy when you see him out of the plan again. I feel like <laughs> I feel like LeBron was the guy that wanted Westbrook. Like, that's not all Palenka. I think if Palenka had his way, he's probably getting buddy healed. But LeBron said, was like, no, we need the star. We need the Westbrook. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think everyone in the Lakers sucks, and it's fun to watch them lose. That's yeah, a shame. That's a real it's shame. A real shame. <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah. All right, coming up on the other side, something cool happened uh, after the Ducks game over the weekend. Uh, we'll talk about that on the other side. Peter Sampson, Judah Newby, Stephen Vaughn, in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Face Truth with John Canzano on 750, The Game. All right, welcome back to the program. Newbie and Samson in for Canzano on the Bald Face Truth. You got to be subscribed to the man, JohnCanzano.com. He always has good behind-the-scenes stories, good content. He was uh, down in Eugene for Oregon, UCLA over the weekend. Uh, the main story, of course, was, holy cow, the Ducks look good. 45-30 speaks for itself, number 10 Ducks over number 9 Chip. But then after the game, another interesting story uh, took place, and we're going to talk about it now with a, an individual that was involved in that. And uh, John referenced it yesterday on the show, but, uh, you know, Dan Lanning gets a big win, signature win. Probably his first, like, major signature win as an Oregon Duck head coach. So what does the coach do after a game? How does he celebrate? Well, first off, he fills up his truck with gas. That's what he does. He stops by his Chevron and fills it with gas. But he also is a good citizen, and he, he pays it forward to others around him. And uh, an individual that benefited from that joins us on the BFT right now. He's a cross-country runner, it turns out. For Canby High School, Maddox Oliver. Maddox, what's up, man? How are you? 
How's it going? It's great, dude. I hear that uh, you run cross country and there's big events going on this weekend. What's going on in your world? Yeah, so uh, tomorrow we have our like our what's considered like our conference meet. So I'll be competing to qualify for the state meet. State meet. How you feeling? Good. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm excited. Um, hopefully the team does well as long as myself. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited. So are you a senior at Canby High School? I am. All right. Do you have senioritis? Uh, it hasn't kicked in quite yet, but, you know, come down like these last couple months, I'm, I might be able to say I do. Well, it, you'll get it. Just give it some time. It'll, uh, it'll kick in here relatively shortly. Uh, you made a memory over the weekend. First of all, going to the, the Ducks game with your buddies. Uh, did you guys go to game day in the morning, or did you just go to the game in the afternoon? So, yeah, so um, we got down to Eugene pretty late that Friday night because our team had a – we had a – our Canby had a football game, so we went to go watch that, and then we hit the road. It took about an hour and 40 minutes to get down. Didn't end up going to bed around, like, 1 o'clock and then got up at 5 to go to game day. Pretty fun atmosphere, it seemed like. Uh, Do you guys get to make a sign or anything like that? How was your experience? Uh, yeah, we made we made one sign. Um, it was like a Tinder profile of the, the the UCLA Bruin, and it was like us like saying like no to it, like rejecting the profile. <laughs> Do you swipe left or swipe right? I I'm you painfully unfamiliar with you. Swipe left to reject the Bruin. Oh, that's yeah. well played. That's well played. So you go to the game, you have fun. Uh, you got to go to game day and all that, and. But something cool happens to you guys after the game. Uh, you pull over to get gas at a Chevron. Where was the Chevron? And uh, you know, Coach Lanning ends up uh, ends up showing up. At what point did you recognize Coach Lanning was next to you? So actually, my brother pointed it out. My brother Kellen. He we were kind of just sitting there on our phones, waiting in line, and he he goes. Maddox, I think I think that's Dan Lanning, and I was like, what? And I like looked over and. What do you know? He's just sitting. He's sitting in his car right there next to us. <laughs> what is he driving? He was driving a brand new Tahoe. Oh, brand new, huh? All right. Mm-hmm. I see you, Coach. So you you look over. You're like, oh crap, that, that's that's Coach Lanning. I gotta go say what's up. Is that what you feel like at that point? You gotta say hi. Well, we didn't at first. We didn't. We wanted to be respectful, and we didn't want to like fanboy it. So like, I so. I kind of, like, rolled down my window, and then, like, I was kind of waiting for him to look over, and he did, and we threw up the O um, just to kind of, like, because we didn't want to just, like, immediately rush over there and, like, invade his privacy and all that. What did he do when you, when you saw he, you guys he do did, that? He, he, um, yeah, he threw it up back, smiled at us, and then we kind of, like, pulled in to the uh, – we both pulled in to pump our gas, and he had his window rolled down as well. So at that point, I, like, screamed. I was like, congratulations on the win. Go Ducks. He said he was very thankful. And then, yeah, he kind of, my friend went to pay for his for his gas. And then um, the gas clerk took it or took it and then handed it back. And he said, uh, he said, it's on coach. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So at that point, you're like, sweet, let's fill it up with premium. Yeah, right. 
Uh, that's phenomenal. I'm seeing you guys got a photo with them and everything. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. So after, dude. Yeah. So after that, we were like, would you mind like taking a photo? Like, it's obviously okay if you just want to get home, but he was, he was like, Oh yeah, let's do it. He was super kind about it. Super nice guy. That's great. Have you always been a duck fan Maddox? Yeah. I've grown up my whole life. My dad's been a season ticket holder for as long as I can remember. So yeah, I've been going to games since I was just a little kid. Wow. Um, oh, yeah, always been a duck. So what was your first game experience at Autzen that you remember? Uh, my first one I can, like, immediately call back is Oregon versus Nevada during the D'Anthony Thomas days. I think that is, like, my first, like, I remember, like, being at that game. Had it been 2012, maybe, 2013. I knew I knew at some point in this interview I was going to feel old, so appreciate appreciate that. Oregon, Nevada sounds like a nail biter back in uh, in 2012. No, it was, I think it was a blowout. <laughs> no, I think I, I was like I think we went to the Rose Bowl that year. Yeah, Something yeah, like that. yeah. During the Chip Kelly days. Oh, Chip, was it good to see Chip? Yeah, yeah. No hard feelings for Chip. I mean, he's obviously doing very well. UCLA. Um, yeah, no, 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 uh, no hard, no hard feelings. So Maddox, uh, so Dan Landing arrives, new head coach. You know, vibes are as high as they could be. So, what was it like to to meet him? And you know, what what's your message to the rest of uh, Duck Nation that hasn't got a chance to interact with him yet? But it sounds like he's a pretty stand up dude. Yeah, he was definitely a really nice guy. Um, very approachable. Didn't seem like we were bothering him at all. And yeah, I would just say like. I know a lot of Duck fans loved Mario Cristobal and what he was doing, but honestly, I see that I saw that hire as like a blessing in disguise. I mean, coming over from the SEC, knows what he's doing, just won a national championship, and I think like we have a lot of promise in years to come. And I think this football program's only it's only going up from here. So districts this weekend in cross country. Yep, or tomorrow, Wednesday. Tomorrow, oh my goodness! Okay, so it's here. Where are uh, where are those? Uh, Blue Lake Park in Portland. All right, I don't know where Blue Lake Park is. Where is Blue Lake Park? I should. I just know it's in Portland. I think it's like Northeast Portland, maybe. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that. Uh, I think that's right. All right, man. Well, hey, best of luck. Yeah, technically at Fairview. So yeah, that sounds about right. Best of luck to that. Uh, you got good vibes, man. You got good mojo. You just met Dan Lanning. He paid for your gas. And that starts an epic week of you winning districts and going to state. How about it, Maddox? We'll try my very best, but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks for joining the show, dude, and go Ducks. Go Ducks. There he is, Maddox Oliver. A different flavor, a different uh, taste, but always good to, to get that. And Dan Lanning, good dude. Good yeah. dude, paint it forward. Yeah, he that's that's not a PR stun. He had no idea that was going to get out. That's just a good dude who's capable of doing something like that for someone else who did, man. I love it. I mean, look, uh, I've encountered my share of uh, people in the sports sphere, certainly in this job. And even before that, you come across them. And I've never had any horrible experiences, but I've never had one that good, man. Those That guy's under no obligation to do something like that. Really cool. And uh, driving a brand new Chevy Tahoe. <laughs> not bad. Well earned. Wonder if that was part of the deal. Nah, I'm sure every coach gets a gets a new rig, but uh, that's really cool, man. Uh, Dan Landing seems like a stand-up guy, and love that John was able to capture that story. I know we had a caller on yesterday's show uh, mention that 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 had happened, that he had a friend whose kids went mm. to the game or whatever. So it kind of was born out of the show yesterday. John, of course, he's 
tuned in to, you know, finding any, you know, good story. And he was like, wow, I'll, I'll look into this. And he was able to connect with uh, the guy who's, whose kids, you know, went to the game. And that's a good story. And it comes full circle. He had been going to every game since 2012. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I love how I was like, yeah, we're getting to that. I'm tight when he's like, no, no, actually it was a blowout. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, Subtlety doesn't always come over the phone. No, I know. But uh, that's great. So Maddox Oliver, appreciate you taking the time to do that and go crush it in districts uh, tomorrow at Blue Lake Park. That is awesome stuff. All right, we'll go away. We'll come back. Big splash coming up. Punch and audio. John Wilner will also join the program. We'll check in with Barney Ball on the park blocks as well later on. Nubian Sampson in for Gonzano on the BFT. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Gonzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. This is the Bald Face Truth. Peter Sampson, Jude Anubi, Stephen Vaughn, all in for John Canzano today. Appreciate you rolling with me. You might notice there's uh, some new and improved bump music. You're welcome. I uh, Anytime I'm in the uh, big chair, it is an honor, and it's a privilege, and it's not one that I take lightly, but please believe, i got to bring my own music over. And it's originals, all recorded and written by Peter Sampson. <laughs> That's right. At his home studio, right. which makes it even better. That's right. That was not Tool. That was me in my living room yes. uh, with some headphones on. That is exactly right. That's right. And, uh, Who is Tool? That They are a, uh, gosh, they've been around more than 30 years now. They used to be a hard rock band, another kind of prog rock. Very, Frog rock. They are phenomenal, and their hardcore fans are, uh, I'm going to say it, a little obnoxious. You, if you're getting offended right now, I'm not talking about you. You know who I'm talking about. They're it's just, the other guys. Yeah, they're just yeah. a little intense. But have you seen any uh, shows lately? Man, I went and saw the Who just on a what was that Wednesday night? Uh, I got a I got tickets here through work. One of the advantages of working at a radio station is you get access to virtually everything. And this is one of those things. Coming off uh, seeing Ringo Starr with my kiddo the week before, I said, look, man, I would never pay like 200 bucks to see The Who, but they're old. And if I can go for free, I got to go. So I can say, man, I saw Pete Townsend. I saw Roger Daltrey. The show, it was at Moda. It was pretty undersold, man. I, I just had little 300-level tickets. They upgraded everyone and curtained those sections off. So I ended wow. up in section 114, and it was a great show. They were there with an orchestra. And uh, they didn't play all the hits because they got a lot. But mostly everything I wanted, I mean, they were definitely old. Roger Daltrey looks like a grandpa living in Boca Raton, but he still has the pipes, man. <laughs> if you know, you know. he's <laughs> He still nailed the scream in the middle of won't get fooled again. Now, did they have to extend that period so he could drink water before and after? Yes. But he absolutely nailed it. It was a great, great show. I'm looking to go to uh, Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction here in a couple weeks, Ooh. too. I think that'll be good. I saw the Pumpkins a couple years ago. Five years ago, four years ago. Oh, wow. I wasn't sure how good it was going to be. They're washed up. It was great. It was fantastic. And it was better when I saw than when I saw them when they were relevant. I don't know if they had an off night or what, but they just showed up and played the hits and gave gave us our money's worth. So Roger Daltrey, 78 years young. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were British Invasion. They were only a year and a half behind the Beatles coming to America. So Still they're got uh, shirtless pics on Google Images and everything. So <laughs> yeah, if you go back, you'll you'll see those '70s pics with the uh, jeans so tight they like painted them on. Man, so careful what you're browsing there. Pete Pete's 77. 
Yeah. Pete's they old. Still, they still go hard. They still go hard. They have they have some help, though, man. I mean, when I say I saw The Who, I saw half The Who. Because Keith, <laughs> Keith Moon died in 19, what, 81? 81, yeah. by my count. And then uh, John Entwistle died. That was probably a decade ago now. Maybe eight, nine years. I'm not sure exactly. Oh, Keith Moon died in 78. 78, okay, okay. So I was relatively close. But uh, their drummer now is... At 32 years old? Yeah. Don't Don't drink and take pills, man. Don't do that. Rough. And if you are going to do that, sleep on your side. Yeah. L- just lesson learned there. But well, let's just stick with the first one. Their drummer now is... Don't uh, drink and do pills. Yeah, they're, that's a good point. Their drummer now, it's uh, uh, Zach Starkey. It's Ringo's kid. Oh, really? Is their drummer. Of course, he's like 58, but man, he was phenomenal. He's in great shape. He, he absolutely nailed those parts. So you're just seeing these guys, you know, because you're not going to be able to see them probably again. Exactly. I mean, you never know, like, what's going to happen. That's why I was so bummed that... Ringo is 82? That dude Jeez, was Louise. still... He drummed for more than an hour of that show, and at the end, he's jumping on stage and literally doing jumping jacks and stuff. Full two-hour show. That guy, I'd never seen an elderly guy in that great a shape. That was a phenomenal show. His Wikipedia photo, he looks like he's 35, and it uh-huh. says it was taken in 2019. Yeah. There's no way he looks like that. That's he, insane. Good got, for him. He got sober in the 80s, man. That'll do it. That was a great show, oh, too. He was the only one. <laughs> I don't love the uh, the all-star band sort of idea historically, but this, it was the band was good this the year. Super it was, band. It was Steve Lukather from Toto and uh, Colin Hay from uh, uh, Minute Work and Edgar Winter on keys. And... Toto is Africa, right? Exactly. It's the only song I know about it. Do I need to know any more? Uh, Hold the Line. I bet you know that one. Right, and yeah, uh, uh Oh, uh, Rosanna. You might know Rosanna. Dude, I like Africa. Yeah, it's a great... They played that's, it. That's okay, right? The, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a classic. It's Absolutely. cool to, to sing to Africa. I also like Weezer's Africa cover. I saw that one live, too, yeah. That's pretty dope, too. It was good. It was a fun I show, I wasn't man. sure if that's one of those songs where it's like it's weird to love it or if like it's it's cool to hate it, I should say. Some of those songs are really popular that are actually the cool move is to hate the song, and I, don't, I didn't know if We've Africa come, was one of those. No, man, that's the advantage of living in postmodern society is that song was huge when it came out, and then everyone hated it, and yeah. then everyone liked it, ironically. And eventually society just went, what are we doing? That's a great tune. And now we like it. Excellent. Well, I missed the first three waves of that, and I just went <laughs> on to the like it part. So. You do you, boo. You do you, boo. You're ahead of the boo. curve. Thanks, yeah, boo. boo. That's all it was, man. Spectacular <laughs> stuff. So Also, if- Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake incorporated it into one of their skits, too, where they're just singing oh, to Africa. That's it's hilarious. right. Camp Wana Pasaki or something that's like that. That's right. hilarious. That's good stuff. All right. Hour number one in the books. We'll go away. Come back on the other side. I do want to talk a little bit of World Series. That kicks off Friday. And, of course, later in hour number two, John Wilner joins the show. Talk a little bit of Pac-12, Oregon's big win, and more. Samson and Newby in for Gonzano. This is the Bald Face truth B F F T from the Pac West Center in downtown Portland presented by High Caliber Millwrights in for John Canzano here's Peter Sampson and Judah Newby with the bald face truth Welcome back in. Hour number two of the Bald Face Truth Samson and Newby with you Stephen Vaughn along for the ride as well you want to talk Pac-12 football coming up in just about 15 minutes. We've got John Wilner, the guru, 
also the co-host of the uh, Wilner and Canzano, or is it Canzano and Wilner podcast? Today it's Wilner and Canzano, because Wilner is going to show up and Canzano is not. <laughs> well, there you go. We will have him at 4.15, break down the weekend's action, Oregon's big win over UCLA. Of course, the Beavers manhandled Colorado. No surprise there what, game. whatsoever. Man's game. We'll kick that around with him. I want to talk a little baseball. It is October 25th. It is World Series season, and we do have a World Series, and it gets underway Friday. Phillies Astros, and look, the Astros are just a juggernaut, but every year in baseball, there's some team that catches fire at the right time and is playing their best baseball down the stretch, and man, the Phillies, as bad as they were for a big chunk of the year, man, once they got rid of Joe Girardi, they just... Just accelerated towards the playoffs. They upset your Cardinals, Judah. They upset my Braves. They yes. upset Stephen Vaughn's Padres. So, well, I know you bet on them. I know that's not no, your they, game. They were, my, they were my Padres this year. And here they are in the World Series. Uh, each game will be right about 5 o'clock West Coast time, 8 o'clock Pacific, 8.03 East Coast to be exact. And, of course, game one is this Friday on the 28th. Who do we like in this series, man? The Astros were so good. They just swept the Yankees, but the Phillies are just getting it done right now. It kind of feels like some Nats-Astros vibes in 19, right? A little bit. Astros were pretty heavy favorites in that one, if memory serves. Like, everybody wanted to give Dusty his ring. Seven games later, what's up? It's Steven Strasburg winning MVP. Like, who saw that coming? I don't know if there is a you know, a pitcher that the Phillies have that can kind of, like, go out and win MVP. Is it Wheeler or, uh, you know, who who would they go with? Uh, Syndergaard even could maybe channel some of that, but... Nola. Nola as well. Dude, I that's the thing, man. I had a stretch where I love... I still love college baseball, but when Nola was at LSU, I was a, yeah. I was huge into college baseball. So whenever I, I think of these guys, even Schwarber, I remember Schwarber as a prospect... Not as a, you know, perennial all-star that's hitting bombs at the one spot. Massive in the bombs, I mean, too. just turning on stuff. Just yeah, Yahtzee and stuff to right. Like, I don't know. And then Harper. Harper hitting the bottom of the eighth go-ahead shot. Like, that's a majestic kind of, like, romantic feeling uh, home run, you know, for, for the Phils in the eighth inning to, to punch their ticket to the World Series. So, yeah, there's something about this Phillies team, man. And, look, I don't. I don't like to root for the Phillies because it's big market Philly, et cetera. Like, you know, they, they've won enough. Like, But the Phillies haven't been, I guess, this good in a while. Like, you know, you think of Phillies deep playoff ball. There was a five, six-year stretch where it was Doc Halliday, Cliff Ryan Lee. Ryan Howard. You know, Cole Hamels, uh, Ryan Howard. Chase Utley. Chase Utley, Shane Victorino, Jimmy Rollins. Like, these guys, you know, we all remember them because they were in the playoffs every year for five, six years. You know, so this is a totally different feel, totally different vibe. Um, what were were two managers removed from you know their last playoff run, I believe, because it was Kapler for a hot minute, yep. and it was Girardi for a hot minute, and now it's uh, this new guy, Paul Thompson, or something like that. Something, can't, yeah, just can't yeah. remember. Or Rob Thompson, maybe, uh, and he's done a great job. So I'm I'm kind of rooting for Philly because I I really just I sports hate Houston. I sports hate the Houston Astros harder than I sports hate anybody in the history of sports hate. And that includes wow. that includes Kobe, uh, even though I just, you know, sports hated him from a Blazer standpoint and saw him do remarkable stuff. But, you know, when you talk sports hate, 
I don't think I sports hate anybody more than the Astros. Like that's at the top of my sports hate list. They're they're freaking cheaters. And they made all of us feel bad for calling them cheaters. And now, you know, it's all the same guys back, and they're somehow back in the World Series again because they have a loaded-ass roster, but there's no way in hell I'm rooting for those guys. Yeah, I tend to agree, man. And, I mean, how many How many do they have still on their roster? Five? man, Altuve. That's where I'm at. As long as they have those two, the Astros are dead to me. And I was never an Astros fan. Don't get me wrong, you know. My National League team's the Braves. But, yeah, I just can't get over that. Now, as a Braves fan, I've got hit, I've got a little bit of beef with the Phillies, too, when they beat them in the NLCS in 93. Lenny Dykstra, Nails. batting leadoff, coked out of his mind, allegedly. And uh, just having a phenomenal NLCS before they lost to the Blue Jays. But, I, I don't know, I'm happy for the Phillies. I, just, yeah. I keep waiting. For that bullpen to regress, because they, they they didn't just have the worst bullpen in the playoffs. They had one of the worst bullpens in baseball. But the way they're hitting, I mean, obviously, you mentioned Schwarber. You mentioned Harper's go-ahead. He has like an 11-game hit streak in the playoffs, 10 extra base hits. I mean, he's playing at just a superstar level, the level they expected when they signed the guy to that massive deal. That that's one of those things. Yeah, Steve <laughs> Stephen Vaughn is screening phone calls in the same room <laughs> that I'm on air, so that's uh that that's a fun one for Steve O. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you mentioned it earlier in the show. It's like, well, all you gotta do is be playing your best baseball at the right time. Yeah. And we used that on the Phillies. It's like these these guys are outperforming their regular season standing. But the reality is the Astros have yet to lose in these playoffs. I know. And they have also been playing pretty darn well, including sweeping the Mariners, 18 innings worth of Game 3. Altuve has been off to a really slow start. I don't know what his numbers are recently, but I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he got a hit in the Mariners series. Like, he, he went didn't. over for a yeah. long stretch. And, you know, I would love, as someone that's actually going to be Normally, I pull for the National League. You know, the My the, man. the DH adding, like, doesn't make that as loyal a rooting interest now. But at the same time, like, I, the Phils are, are way more likable because the Astros are so hateable to me. And uh, that's why I'm going to be pulling for Philly. And, dude, that freaking market's on fire with their sports right now. Although, apparently, the Sixers suck. Is that what I'm seeing? So far, yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. But Philly's soccer team is, is crushing it. The Eagles are undefeated. And now the Phils are in the World Series. Yeah, Bryce Harper, you know, for the Phillies. You know, it's cool to see a guy who was picked number one, have all that hype. Always had good seasons, but never had the playoff success. He's been awesome this postseason. Uh, he has He's reached base all 11 games, 10-game hitting streak, seven multi-hit games. Uh, you know, he was the NLCS MVP. So it's cool to see him on the grand stage, you know, finally at age yeah. 30. Like, it took him a long time to get here, but he's here playing at his best. So uh, I'm with everybody, like, I don't like the Astros. I don't really have a problem that they cheated because I think everybody cheats in all sports if they can. So I don't necessarily hate the Astros like you guys, but I would definitely root for the Phillies. The the, the main thing I want is I want as few games in November as possible. Whoever wins, make it fast. This is the October Classic. It is not the November 4th Classic. I wonder how many how many times have we gone into November because we have a few times, even in a regular mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. I want to say... Wasn't Jeter Diamondbacks 01? Did that spill into November? I believe that went to November 1st. Yeah. Jeter, had, Jeter yeah. had a home run right as the calendar flipped to November 1st. And somebody hit a, you know, his classic Jeter oppo shot to right, right. squeezing the cheeks and poke, poking feet. one out. Exactly. <laughs> Squeeze the cheeks, poke one 315, put him in the hall. And uh, and that, that someone held up a sign at Yankee Stadium and said, Mr. November. So I know that one did, but this is all lockout-induced, right? This right. is the fact that we started so late. Thanks, Rob. 
and uh, and now we're going to get some games probably in November. But I'm with you one way or the other. Hopefully we finish this soon. But, you know, for as hateable as the Astros are, like, I don't know, Dusty, do we root for him to get one? Like, he's, he's I don't. close. <laughs> I don't. I mean, no but hard dude, feelings. I love brave. He, he is. You love him. I, I love Dusty Baker, but you're managing a bunch of dirty cheaters, man. That's what, right. Yeah. Screw those guys. Dusty's going to celebrate the win. You know, they're going to run on the field, and he's going to be like, don't rip my jersey off. He's going to have a buzzer really on his don't think other teams are cheating? Not like that. Not like that. You don't? No. There's a chess scandal of the guy. Like, I think people are always trying to find, like, ways to cheat, and they always have. Yes. Like, so that's why it doesn't bother me yes. that they were banging trash cans. Yeah, but they were using, you know, cameras yeah, and, the and all that and the, the buttons. It's, it's one me, thing. And then the cover-up. I, I don't, man. If you cheat, fine. If you cheat, fine. If you lying out your ass about it and yeah, say, no, they, I never did, were, like, that's bull crap. They were douchey about it, and they fought back and like, no, we didn't cheat. It's like, yeah, you did. Just, but like, So that makes them hateable, no? It is, but I think everyone's cheating. Like, I don't I don't hold the grudge against them because I feel like the Yankees are cheating, the Braves are cheating, the Phillies How are cheating. How like, dare everybody. you? Steven thinks everybody's juicy. He he, he was like, hey, man, I, I, it's, it's I, literally the playoffs are about to start. I'm a Cardinal fan. And Steven goes up to me. He's like, what are the odds that Albert's juicing this year? 100%. He's, I saw Steven rubbing like, a clear cream on himself before he did his update. Yeah, What's that up was, with that? That's for something else. <laughs> that's pretty funny. 503-417-7575. Sam's in Vancouver. He wants to talk a little baseball. What's up, Sam? Hey, hey, guys. Um, I think you guys really opened up a big can of worms right here. Um, the whole cheating thing, I mean, everybody cheats. That's really kind of what it is. And I understand that, yeah, you know, not how Astros cheated, but I think I was just doing the numbers. There's five, like over 5,100 games in Major League Baseball every year. You can't tell me not one person's cheating. It, it all it goes back to the recruiting in college. It goes back to, uh, I'm sorry, Juna, but it goes back to your Seattle Seahawks coach, Pete Carroll at USC, who just jumped ship and was like, nope, I'm out. Done. Hey, no not argument from that. me. He was at think, SC. He was a piece of crap at SC. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of also, I think there's a lot of bias towards towards Houston because they kicked the crap out of the Mariners and I'm, I'm I'm a Giants fan but I root for the Mariners when they're when they're winning and remember the, the Mariners did have a lead in game 1 they did have a game, lead in game 2 in game 3 essentially that was two games they had two different chances at nine innings to win that so you really can't tell that it was cheating when the Mariners had the opportunities but they didn't make the right decisions to do that and for the Astros to beat the Yankees oh heck yeah any true west coast and coast live long and all that stuff does never ever root for anybody out east and if it's Houston that does it then go to Houston um, but it's just there's a lot of cheating that goes on at all sports and I think that you guys just kind of have a little too much hatred for Houston because they smoked the Mariners, so that's just my opinion. Appreciate the phone call. No, that's not why. I, I, I hate them because of 2017. I'm, I don't think they cheated against the Mariners. I don't even think they're necessarily still doing it in the same way. The eyes on Man, maybe they did cheat against the Mariners. Yeah, that's that's what you know it what? is. There's they no way they did Rock. cheat against the Mariners. You're right, Sam. I like that Sam brought Screw up Pete those Carroll. Guys. He must have seen that story of Lindell White. Did you guys hear that story where uh, he said he just found $150,000 in his uh, apartment? I have the sound right here if you want me to play yeah, it. Yeah, play that. Yeah, okay, here we go. 
What car did you drive in college? Alexis GS400. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> the stipends must have been pretty good right. in California. Right. That's crazy. I know 1200 a month to get you. That's yeah. crazy, dude. Yeah, man. That is wild. He was living where? I was downtown. He was downtown LA oh, living. Nice we condo. We talk about coaches. We talk about boosters. What? I don't I don't really know what a booster or a coach is. I didn't have, He doesn't know what a coach is. Yeah. All I know is that I had a nice house or a nice apartment, and when I went in there, like I know that there was somebody left something behind i don't know if it was for me or not but i never told anybody that they left it there and i kept it so. what's the most amount of money you've seen left somewhere that you you know probably seen what's like the a, most amount you've seen maybe about a hundred fifty we're talking we're talking we on them weekend cash, numbers, man. This, is, this is all just cash rubber bands <laughs> 150000 in cash just left in your apartment. It's good, it's good luck, man. Yeah, unbelievable. Clearly, I'm in the wrong line of business. I should have been born more athletic. That is wild. That's probably Monty Kiffin slipping it in there. <laughs> Couldn't have been Pete. No, Pete didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Again, Judy, this is only a three-hour show. We can't open up cans of worms like that. Dude, like, no, low-key, obviously, I hated SC. Hated I did too. As far as, far as sports hate is concerned, like the Pete Carroll USC, I was sports hating them hard because it was VY Tejas all the way for me. 05 Rose Bowl. I'm, I'm with you, man. And on the other side, let's actually talk some Pac-12 football. We've got John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, Kanzano and Wilner. What, what's it? Is it Wilner or Kanzano? It's Kanzano and Wilner podcast. Kanzano Wilner. It is there the Kanzano and Wilner you. podcast. I just know it's those two, and it's great content. I haven't actually looked at the logo with too much, uh, uh, not a discerning eye. You'll be blown away by the logo. Will I? Yeah. Will it? Well, I, I look forward to checking that out. Like I said, I've been listening in the uh, iTunes on the, or excuse me, the Apple podcast on the iPad. It's great, great stuff. Coming up in just three minutes, we've got John Wilner here on the Bald Face Truth. It's the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the show. Newbie Samson Vaughn in for Kanzano here on the BFT, BFT Radio Network. The guru of all things Pac-12, the co-host of the Kanzano and Wilner podcast, John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. Find him on Twitter, at Wilner Hotline. He joins the show right now. John, uh, there was an earthquake in your part of the uh, part of the country today. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, five point one, five point two. So it was a, you know, it was a real, a real shake. And interesting, it happened right in the middle of Pac-12 Women's Basketball Media Day, and I think it was right before, like either USC or UCLA was about to take the stage. So, you know, kind of interesting timing. <laughs> uh, could you feel it? Oh yeah, I felt it. I was, uh, I was working in a coffee shop, and uh, my little table started to move and i checked to see if anybody had knocked into it nobody had so kind of figured out it was a quake it's the first one we've had that you've really felt in in a few years here wow we had one up here a couple of weeks ago and it was like you know 4 30 in the morning five in the morning and i was i was awake for some reason and i remember i could feel it and i was like that that's got to be an earthquake i think it only ended up being like three five or something like that but uh and it was you know a couple hundred miles away but you could still feel it in the portland area so i can only assume five one 
Uh, that's notable, and you could uh, you can feel what that's like uh, down in down in the the Bay Area, John. But uh, how about let's start there with the the women's basketball media days. What were some of your big takeaways from that today? Um, well, I mean, I wasn't there. I did watch the uh, opening remarks from the commissioner just to see if there was any any news on media rights or expansion, realignment, that kind of thing. Doesn't sound like uh, there's anything breaking. Uh, I, I think it's going to end up being a few more weeks, maybe even another six, eight weeks before they get this whole thing resolved. I would imagine before Christmas, you know, there'll be we'll, we'll know one way or the other what's going to happen with this conference. Is it a race between Pac-12 and Big 12 to get their rights done and get them announced? You know, I don't think so. It's kind of being portrayed like that, but I don't believe that's the case, right? I mean, it's not like ESPN has only got one pot of money, and it's it's available to whichever conference is willing to agree to a deal first, right? That's not how ESPN does their business. They have money allocated for college football. Uh, they knew that these conferences were going to have their contracts expiring. So, you know, it's, it's not a a zero-sum game necessarily. You know, I, I don't think it matters, and I think that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are pursuing slightly different strategies. You know, the Pac-12 is is uh, basically on the open market, uh, negotiating with uh, anyone who's willing to talk, whereas the Big 12 is basically trying to extend their current deals with ESPN and Fox. You extend your deals, there's some security there, but you also can be potentially giving away some money. Right. That's the thing, you, you know, because there's no competition. So we'll see how it plays out. But I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, first one of the finish line is the winner and the other one's the loser. John Wilner joining us, co-host of the Kanzano and Wilner podcast, also the Wilner Hotline Bay Area News Group syndicated throughout the Pac-12 footprint. Congratulations on surviving John Kanzano for 18 episodes of a podcast, John. Uh, that's that's impressive in and of itself. Uh, the podcast oh, yeah, is no, awesome. We're having, a, we're having a great time. And, you know, we decided to do it before June 30th, well before June 30th, right? Uh, oh. We just thought it'd be fun, uh, interesting for both of us and for, for readers and fans. And then, lo and behold, the Pac-12's world changes in the middle of the summer, and there's even more for us to talk about. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and your on-demand audio, Kanzano and Wilner. We also share it on 750thegame.com. The guest list speaks for itself, including George Klyovkov uh, was was earlier a few weeks ago. You had the uh, SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, on last week. That was a really fun conversation to listen to. Uh, I want to go back to George K, though, with, with this kind of prism, John. Uh, you, you you mentioned the comments that he delivers, but the, seeing that you and Kanzano had a chance to sit down with him on the podcast, and then you got to watch his comments today at uh, at Women's Basketball Media Day, how would you gauge his attitude and his posture with all these media rights negotiations? Do you get the sense that he's confident, that he feels like his conference, albeit without USC and UCLA, is still set up for success? You know, I think he is confident that they're going to get uh, a, a deal done and it's going to be at a, a valuation figure that satisfies the, the 10 remaining schools. You know, he has taken a little bit more of a low-key approach than the Big 12 commissioner in the last few months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's, his, uh, that's his choice. Uh, I would say quietly confident, yeah. Now the thing is, 
you never know, right? I mean, they were quietly confident that USC and UCLA were going to be in the conference too. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think that he's either going to, you know, it, either there's going to be uh, egg on everybody's face and total disaster if this thing blows up, or he's going to look very smart and shrewd and having, re, you know, patch things together. It's going to be one or the other, no, no real in between. That's interesting. Now, you've written about this before, but – What's Amazon's role in this? Do you, do you think they have a good shot, the best shot at being the primary player in this, or, or what do you think the future of the conference might look like if they end up figuring out something with Amazon? Well, I mean, I think that there's a good chance that uh, Amazon's going to end up as a as a partner of the Pac-12. I don't think it's going to be the only partner, uh, and I don't think it's guaranteed, but I do think that there's a, a pretty reasonable chance that there are some Pac-12 football and basketball on Amazon starting in the fall of 2024. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that Thursday Night Football with the NFL has worked uh, from a production standpoint, from a delivery standpoint, right? There haven't been any tech glitches in that whole thing. It's it, it's a nice picture. Uh, there's no latency issues. So I think that's given the Pac-12 some confidence that, that you know, they could get make the move to streaming and it would work. Uh, exactly how the, a deal would be done, I don't know. Uh, right now, ESPN and Fox basically share Pac-12 football. It could be something like that, where maybe ESPN and Amazon share Pac-12 football. I don't think we're going to be in a situation where all every Pac-12 football game is on ES, on, on Amazon. They're not going to do that. They're going to they're going to retain some kind of uh, you know distribution package with a traditional player to get more visibility, right? To get on cable, to get on over the air television through ABC, all the ESPN networks. So we could see some kind of 50, 50 split, something like that. We're talking to John Wilner. This is purely anecdotal on my end, John, but I've been talking to some people as well. It's like, it feels like Fox is kind of going out of their way to make sure the biggest Pac-12 games get the juiciest Fox windows this year. The, the Obviously, Oregon, UCLA. You had Utah, USC, a 5 o'clock Fox game. You had the Oregon-BYU game be 12.30 Fox. It, am I wrong in suggesting that that might be uh, schematic or strategic on Fox's end to as part of these negotiations that are dynamic, that are in season that are ongoing to, you know, as, as part of a, a play to the conference to be like, hey, we'll take your best teams. We'll give them our best windows. Look at this. Here's a 1230 Fox for you. Here's a five o'clock Fox for you. Here's Benetti and Heward and all these guys. Like, is, is that at all accurate in your mind or is that just uh, anecdotal uh, surmising on my part? Yeah, I'm not sure that there's uh, a strategy to it beyond the fact that Fox has contracted to show a certain number of games during the season, uh, even a certain number in prime time, and the fact that the Pac-12 has got a bunch of ranked teams, right? I mean, if, if those teams aren't ranked, then they may not be on a prime time. That's the benefit of having good teams. Uh, and Fox has shown, you know, last year they, they showed a bunch of games in prime time too. So I don't know that there's a strategy behind it other than a reaction to, you know, the, the rankings and, and contractual obligations. Kenny Dillingham has been uh, one of the hot topics in Duckland. Uh, 
Do you think he's long for Eugene, or is he imminent to get a head coaching job elsewhere and possibly in the Pac-12 footprint? Uh, you know, his stock is certainly hot. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the fact that Arizona State's looking for a coach, and he's an Arizona State graduate who's from Phoenix, uh, would lead you to believe he's going to be a candidate at, at ASU. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know that the other jobs that are open right now, Wisconsin and Nebraska, those don't necessarily fit for him. Maybe Colorado, but you know that he he could end up getting uh, getting that ASU job for all we know, or he could end up back in Eugene for another couple of years, right? It's not the it's not exactly the worst place to be if you're an offensive coordinator, you know, running that that offense and being at Oregon, you get plenty of, you know, it's great for your profile and you're gonna have all, you know you're gonna work with good players so uh we'll see but i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at asu who makes that call at asu is it still going to be right no it smells weird over i don't there. know we'll see if it, uh, ad ray anderson is on the job uh at the end of the season when when they got to make a hire or if he's on the job but not involved in the hiring process yeah arizona state's a weird place you know they, they do things <laughs> differently there and uh doing things differently has gotten them into the position they're in now and I couldn't begin to guess what's going to happen. All right, before we let you go, uh, who would you say? How many teams are contending for the conference title at that point? At this point in the season, does it go? Is the list four deep in your mind? Is it five deep? How many teams do you think are contenders to reach Vegas and maybe win the conference? Uh, I think it's four. Uh, you know, Oregon State and Washington State are kind of on the fringe there with two losses, but the problem is the head-to-head situation, right? Oregon State's lost to both Utah uh, and USC. So that means they're actually further behind than that looks. Washington has lost to uh, to UCLA. So, and they got the Oregon game coming up, of course. So I really think it's those four. Uh, the interesting piece is that USC and Oregon don't play because of just the, you know, the rotation. So uh, we'll see if it ends up in some kind of tiebreaker, either for the top seed or for the second seed. But to, to me, it really feels like a, a four-team race, right? Those teams are, I think, 14-3 and three in league play, and the three losses are to each other. None of them have lost anybody else. Buy or sell, Ducks could be a college football playoff team if they win out. Uh, I would probably wait. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough call. There'll be some, I don't, I don't think they are eliminated. Uh, but I do think that if they win out, it's going to depend on who else is sitting there with one loss because that 49, three is not going to be easily forgotten. Right. And right. if, uh, if that's, if they're fighting for that fourth spot with say the SEC runner up that has played Georgia to a, 35-28 game in the SEC championship, that team is going to get in ahead of Oregon. Yeah. Do you think the Ducks could win out? Uh, I think they could. Nobody's done it since yeah. Oregon did it in 2010. Uh, as soon as you start thinking somebody's going to win out, that's when they lose. <laughs> right? They still got Washington, Oregon State, Utah uh, in the conference championship game. And, you know, they. who knows? Cal could give them a good game this weekend. Cal's played them very well for the last three years right those games are all close so kind of we'll see wilcox in particular 
that's fascinating, right? Given all the the backstory that's been coming out on Wilcox and the the job at Oregon that goes to Landing, and now he's his struggles at Cal. But I think you're right. I think uh, he always has he has a motivation to compete and and give the Ducks a hard one. Uh, John, I could go, you know, for another 15, 30 minutes with you, but appreciate your time today. Gonzano and Wilner podcast is out. Brock Heward uh, was the guest, and he was on the call this past weekend, and uh, that's a really good conversation. So find the Gonzano and Wilner podcast wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate your time, John. Uh, stay safe down there. Hopefully there's no other uh, earthquakes in the in the coming weeks or the rest of uh, the rest of the foreseeable future for you down there, but we appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for having me. There he is, John Wilner at Wilner Hotline Bay Area News Group. Uh, I appreciate, you know, his perspective on that. I was trying just to have him, you know, say something declarative, positive about the Ducks. He's objective. You know, he'll re- he'll retain his objectivity. He just goes back and forth on Twitter with uh, Duck fans on both sides of the spectrum. It's it's kind of funny. Some Duck fans think he hates the Ducks. Some Duck fans think uh, that, uh, that he's right on the money, but... I'm I'm stuck here wondering if this is a 2022 season that we'll look back on and consider it an outlier in the the Dan Landing tenure. And by that I mean we'll look back on it and be like, oh yeah, that was the year we had Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix. And then 2023, it looks totally different. You know, is this a one and done type of situation with Ken Bo Dilly Nix with uh with Bo Kenny Nixingham? that Duck fans are going to have to, you know, savor right now because who knows if it comes back around next year. Like, if that, if the, is that where we are? Because if so, we got to get used to that fact, like, right now. And because the ceiling of this team totally changes, you know, if if you realize that, hey, it's just one year of this thing, and who knows if, if Kenny or Bo or both are back next year. So we'll react more to that conversation. We'll play some punch and audio. We'll talk to Bruce Barnum later on as well. Nubian and Sampson in for Canzano on the BFT. The home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Peter Sampson, Judah Newby, Stephen Vaughn rolling with you this afternoon. Appreciate you along for the ride. Our thanks to John Wilner. For that great conversation just in the previous segment, if you missed that, you can go to 750thegame.com and uh, listen to that podcast very shortly. It is 440 about this time. We like to play a little game called Punch It Audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. We start last night in the association. Portland Trail Blazers hosting the Denver Nuggets. It was a tight game. Blazers were down double digits in the second quarter, and then this started to happen. Grant had it jabbed away by Jokic, recovered by Damon. Ahead to Hart. He'll roll one up and in. Now he'll defend Lillard outside of the snap off the pass to Simons. He'll trigger from long range. He's going to run. Wings left and right. He'll steady. Give to Simons. Had a notion. Steps back, fires the triple, got it! Uh-oh! 
The fire has been lit. Absolutely, they're going to call technical fouls. So he said that was one way I was able to kind of tamp down that enthusiasm uh -oh. Uh -oh. of heart. And Simons is officially on fire. Simons releases, scores another three. Look at Dave. Look at Dave hopping, loving every second. We know where the Blazers want to go with this basketball. They waste no time. Simons rushing oh, off the screen, goodness. drilled it straight away and got knocked down. And he's not even the one you gotta worry about at this moment. Simons thirsty for it, comes to it. He'll lift off again and hit another one. Anthony Simons knocking him down left and right. 22 in the quarter. 22 points in the quarter. Six of six from three. He did finally miss one after a timeout. Can we just, I know Anthony Simons' nickname is Ant. Can we start calling him Fire Ant when he goes off like this? This was an unbelievable performance, well, fellas. I saw Inferno. Oh, I like that. That's good, too. Inferno good. was going around on Twitter, so uh, I think uh, someone may even have tweeted that, like a, an athlete or something. I like it. Inferno. LeBron was tweeting about it last night. You see yeah, that? Everyone was, like, was watching that game, yeah. Dude, it was insane. Like, And it was great to see because it was a slow start. And then, you know, and Ant's just like a, how can you not smile when he's rolling? It's like he's such a likable player and a likable guy. That is the one thing, though. It's like, man, is that sustainable? Not that third quarter, but... Is, is Ant just getting hot in a moment's notice? Could that be a thing that propels the Blazers to win some of these games? Yeah, I think he's capable of it. Man, he was going through it before that, too. Real bad shooting slump for Anthony Simons in the first few games. But look, he's a guy who shot something like 47% on catch-and-shoot threes last year. He shot 41% the year before that in much more limited time. He's one of the elite catch-and-shoot players, but he's looking to find his own shot more. He's handling the ball a little bit more. And the one thing I've really been impressed with Simons, it's he wasn't really a natural point guard when he came into the league, and he's he's beefed up a little bit. He's not shying away from contact. He's a lot more of a threat on the drive. I mean, the dude, the dude won the dunk contest a couple years ago. He only had two dunks all last season. He had two in the first game this year. Uh, so that combined with a sort of being a better facilitator, I think the shooting's always going to be there, but it's the other parts of his game that I'm a lot more excited about. Blazers 4-0, temporarily on top of the Western Conference standings. I'm a believer, sort of, is Dan Patrick. Punch it. Blazers beat the Nuggets 135-110. to 110. The Blazers are now 4-0. They haven't started out 4-0 since 1999 when they won 59 games and went to the Western Conference Finals. Are you on the Blazers bandwagon? No. Oh. No, I can't be. I can't be. Okay. Come well, on, Dan. Yeah, I wonder how many Blazers games he's actually watching, <laughs> to be honest. And that's fair. Because if you're only watching this game from the nat or this team from the national perspective, that thirty thousand foot view, when you just go, uh, oh, they lost a game. I bet Dame's unhappy. He should get out. How about he goes to L.A. or New York? I understand that. And look, that's also not really Dan Patrick's mo. But I have a feeling that he's not watching forty eight minutes of Portland Trailblazers basketball every night that they're on. So I don't blame him yet. I want him to maybe catch a few games. If this is still kind of how they are, and I don't mean undefeated, but they're still playing this style of, of basketball through 20 games a quarter of the way through the season. you got to be on that bandwagon. That being said, through 20 games, how many times are they going to be on national TV in those 20 games? That's the challenge. I see one game on ESPN, the Memphis game at Moda Center, Wednesday, November 2nd. 
and then NBA TV a couple of times, yeah. Phoenix and Utah, but then it's not until after Thanksgiving, November 29th, is their first TNT game against the Clippers. So it's going to be one of those things where it's like, hey, they might just be making hay under the radar for a while if you're one of those fans that gets a lot of your you know top games on national tv in order to you know have an informed opinion on some of these teams the Blazers aren't going to be on national tv a whole lot yeah if they keep playing well i wouldn't be surprised if they get flexed into a few of those espn games but what we're talking what two three more there's not going to be a ton uh you're absolutely right and of course this isn't necessarily relevant for uh blazers fans locally but that's also just another reason to plug league pass they cut their price by 50 percent. it's 15 bucks a month you get everything. I'm watching Paolo Boncaro. I'm watching Jaden Ivey. I'm catching all these guys uh, so I can see what's going on with a lot of those teams that maybe aren't on TNT or ESPN. Jalen Rose, he's noticed the Blazers. What did he have to say about their 4-0 start punching? This is all about Dame's return. Thank you. Shout to Jeremy Grant also. But this is literally all about Dame's return and reminding everybody that he's one of the top players in the game getting to the line, making his field goals, um, scoring 33 points a game. 33 points a game for Dame Dollar. And the Portland Trailblazers can always draw on the fact that C.J. McCollum was the most improved player when he played with Dame. But other than that, when they made those playoff runs, it was because it was Dame time. Yep. And he might not have a tattoo that says him on his hand, but he has a watch on his wrist that proves it. And the way he's knocking down shots and the way he's playing with pace has been great to watch. And the teams that they're beating, like this is a good win against what you mentioned is a Denver team that a lot of us feel like should be contending in the West. Yeah, Damian Lillard, without a doubt, is back. I know a few people wavered uh, when they saw that performance against Sacramento. I thought physically he looked all right to me. He certainly looked like rust. He shook that off in a hurry. 41 and 41 again wins Western Conference Player of the Week. He had, I believe, 31 last night against Denver. Damian Lillard firing on all cylinders. But the thing that stands out to me, guys, is late in games. I've seen teams try to trap him. And how many times have we seen them get decimated, especially in the playoffs, by teams doing that in the half court? He had dudes to pass to, and at least so far, they're making uh, something happen with the ball. Yeah, I mean, they're making plays off the ball with Dame, and it's making it so you can't just double-team him. And then that makes it easier for Damian Lillard as well. And, you know, to be back, you know, he's shooting 40% from three, hitting four a game. I think that's important because he likes to shoot the deep three, uh, and he seems to be healthy from that core injury, which really affected him last year. Last year, you saw the shooting numbers dip really bad. So, you know, to see Dame back at this level, it's great to see. Uh, and Portland needs it. Because he is so good. He's one of those guys that can, you know, it makes the Blazers have such a high floor. Uh, and, and now that they have other players around him, just how good can they be? And they still got to get chemistry together, but it's looking, forward, uh, looking good so far. That's just what I'm excited about. There's a reason to watch. We're intrigued. It's not, oh, here we go again. Bad preseason, bad team, uh, pass the beer nuts. Let's move to college football. Oregon handled UCLA. 
That was such an offensive performance. Dan Lanning says they're clicking on all cylinders. Punch it. Man, it's nice. You know, it, it, the, the name of the game is score more points than the other team, and the fact that we're, we're able to do that right now at a high level is definitely a benefit. And like I said, this past weekend, we knew we were playing a good offense in UCLA. Like, they, they score points, right? But the fact that we're scoring touchdowns and they're scoring field goals, that's going gonna, gonna to equate to a win at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, at some point, it might not always go like that. Um, but right now, our offense is clicking on all cylinders, and I think that'll continue. Yeah, man, that off, Bo Nix, just a monster performance. Troy Franklin looks fantastic. I'm looking forward to watching him on Sundays, by the way. Just a great performance. UCLA is a nice defense. I know their defensive numbers are skewed a little bit because they played uh, Alabama State and Southern Alabama and held them to low numbers. But look, that UCLA team is a good team. Oregon came out and just straight up, handled business next eight quarters of football are away from Watson now they should be wins comfortable wins Cal and Colorado but I, I want to see it I want to see him bring the juice last time we saw him in a uh, you know Pac-12 road game they did a really nice job at Arizona but the one before that at Washington State they shouldn't have won you know Cal's probably somewhere in the middle of Wazoo and Arizona I think I mean I guess they beat Arizona at home a couple of weeks ago but I want to see them still be on the front foot. That's the one question I still have with this Oregon team. At Autzen, they've gotten up by two scores in a hurry, and the shape of the game goes into their favor. Their defense, even if it's not elite, they don't have to get exposed when they know the other team has to pass the ball to get back into the football game. What happens when they get into 60 minutes of punch you and receive a punch back? And maybe you're not winning by three scores at halftime. Maybe you're down by seven late in the third quarter. Obviously, we saw that in Pullman, and they pulled it out of their backside. But like I said, Washington State should have won that football game. Do they ever? If they find themselves in a position like that again, I'm not sure that the odds are in their favor that they can pull one out. Yeah, I mean, can Bo Nix lead a team back from down? Like you're saying, you know, I have confidence in the offense, but I don't. I, you know. For how well Bonex has played, the offense has still been very, you know, simplified for it, right? It's a lot of short passes. It's not him throwing the ball down the field. Can he necessarily make the big-time plays against the big-time opponents? Uh, remains to be seen, but it is nice to see Oregon bounce back after that terrible loss to start to control their destiny in the Pac-12 to get to Vegas. I mean, it's somewhere where not a lot of us thought they'd be, and they're there. Well, I will say the deep ball to Franklin was pretty no, nice. sweet. It was nice. Teardrop, baby. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're throwing uh, yeah. a lot of behind Dink the and dunk. Yeah. It's yeah. not high degree of difficulty right, right. stuff that uh, that he's thrown. Like, Gonzalo mentioned it yesterday. The number of completions yes. at or behind the line of scrimmage is, like, 40-something. Yeah. And, like, you know, then it's, you know, block on the outside, get these guys rolling. Like, it's a Kenny knows what he's doing. I just hope he sticks around after this year, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, that was a big-time play, though, that throw to Franklin. Speaking of big-time plays, Oregon State against Colorado. Alex Austin with the big play. Punch it. Trout to throw. Fires it. It's intercepted. Down the right sideline. Alex Austin, 15 to the 10 to the 5. Alex Austin in. A pick six. Touchdown, Beavers. 12-19 to play in the third. The Beavers lead it 34-3. to Love the call there. Yeah, Alex Austin with the pick six. This game never in doubt. No surprise. Colorado. Honestly, I wasn't shocked that they uh, had the uh, new coach bump and got that win. Uh, Mike Sanford's first game, 
fell back to earth against Oregon State. What was the t- was it forty one ten was the final on that? I don't have it in front. Forty two nine. Forty two to nine. Oh, I was so close. Oregon State doing everything they needed to do, taking care of business. But a couple big plays there, fellas. Yeah, man. Alex Austin gets Conference Defensive Player of the Week, and uh, the Bees roll at Reezer, and of course. They will host the Ducks later this year, man. That's going to be such a good game, I think. I know. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait for it. All right, we'll go away, come back, finish up hour number two on the other side. A whole lot of sports talk still to get to. Peter Sampson, Judah Newby, Stephen Vaughn in for John Canzano. This is the BFT on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Peter Sampson, Judah Newby. It's the bald face truth. Stephen Vaughn along as well. You know, I saw it last night at the Blazer game. They did one of those this or that things with Damian Lillard on the Jumbotron. This is so dumb. One of the this or that. It was Multnomah Falls or the Oregon Coast. He said he'd never been to the Oregon Coast. Fans literally started booing him. And now it's this big debate about whether the Oregon Coast is labor dot. Who cares? Who cares? I guess, and I I like the Oregon coast. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. It's not the best coast I've ever been to. It's beautiful. But look, I'll be real. The first time I went to Huntington Beach, I went, oh, that's why everyone moves here. You know what I mean? So who cares if he's never been? That's fine. I, do you care that he's never been to the Oregon coast? I care zero about it. Thank you. I do agree you, completely. Do, do you, you care? care? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a problem with this. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. One's a beach, one's a coast. Yes, they are different things. We know this, but Dave, it's been a decade. Get your ass to the coast, dude. Come on. I'm sure he will now. That pe- And that's the most Oregonian thing ever to just trip out over that. So if you're upset that Dame's never been to the Oregon coast, let it go. Hour number three coming up. It's the BFT on the BFT radio network. BFF. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, in for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson and Judah Newby with the bald faced truth. Welcome back in. Peter Sampson, Judah Newby, Stephen Vaughn along with you on this Tuesday. This is the BFT on the BFT Radio Network. Appreciate you listening to the program. We had John Wilner earlier today. If you missed that, you can grab a podcast. Coming up in just about 15 minutes, Portland State football coach Bruce Barnum. That is always a great interview. Stephen Vaughn, I implore you to keep your finger near that dump button. As Bruce Barnum is uh, often want to uh, just speak freely. I learned that quickly. I learned that quickly on at the job. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, Bruce Barnum is also hot. He, he makes you better. If, if, if you're uh, getting this airplane up on the ground and you're landing this thing after three hours, Bruce Barnum gets you better at your job real fast. I love him, but uh, just a little behind the scenes. Look, there's a lot of work that goes on here that's not necessarily over the airwaves. And uh, during interviews, you know, like, okay, hey, I've got two, three minutes to go ahead and maybe do something else that I have to do. And you're not leaving the room. You're right at your computer, but your attention is divided. And you can't do that with Bruce Barnum because you might get a text just going, hey, I just heard uh, this go over the airwaves. What's up? And you go, oh my gosh, I totally missed that. So uh, we will be on top of it. But I love Barney, man. I absolutely love 
some of the analogies and the stories that this guy has. He's he's just such a character, and he's I think. He's the perfect personality for Portland State football. I mean, I'm old enough. I remember Pokey Allen. You know what I mean? Uh, just an absolute legend. And I think Barnum brings some of that kind of that that quirkiness, I guess you would say. I mean, he's he's hard-nosed. He's a tough guy. And, you know, he's dedicated to the team. But he brings that personality that brings attention to the program. Yeah, entertaining as all could be. Funny. You know, he always has funny comments when he's on, uh, on the John. So, yeah, I always like listening to what he has to say. And, you know, me not being a football player, I feel like – he is like the you know, the prototypical football coach that just loves football and loves to get the most out of all his players. So yeah, I think you're right. Like he's a perfect fit for you know not necessarily like the big time program, but those smaller schools that just you know you get a lot of guys that just love to play the game. So yeah. I think he's perfect for that. Yeah, he'll be on in just about 15 minutes. I was a I'm a big TV watcher. I maybe wish I wasn't. And uh, of course, over the last couple of years, sports docs have absolutely exploded. Thirty for thirty. Uh, certainly led the way in sort of the renaissance of the sports documentary. I mean, they certainly existed before that, but uh, a lot of uh, people took notice of that. Of course, during the pandemic, we had the last dance. And then after the last dance, it's like every major athlete now is getting their own doc. You have Jeter, you have the Tom Brady stuff. Everyone's getting one. Well, HBO Max, who, in my opinion, is leading the way among the streaming platforms as far as bang for your buck. If I could only keep one streaming platform, it would probably probably be HBO Max. Truly, it's great stuff. Well, they're going to do a four-part docu-series called Shaq. Ooh. Starts next month. It's going to contain in-depth interviews with Shaquille O'Neal, covering his early days uh, growing up in Newark, New Jersey, the 20-year career. Uh, the titles of the four-part series, From Shaquille to Shaq, The Rise, The Fall, and From Shaq to Shaquille. So you're going to kind of dig deep into the background, uh, growing up in a military household, becoming a businessman and a broadcaster. That's starting weekly, November 23rd, so we're less than a month away. Is this just an example of they're doing this for everyone now, or is this something that we're interested in seeing? I, I'm kind of interested in seeing this. Yeah, I am too, and it's uh, Shaq has been pretty transparent in some recent stuff that's yes. been floating around. Um, you know, some of the other podcast appearances he's done about his low moments that actually were really fascinating, and, and the authenticity comes through. So I don't think this is a, a PR piece or anything like that. I think... And Shaq is larger than life, you know, physically and just like the whole, the whole brand about him. So I'm hopeful that, you know, this is actually a really, really cool, you know, four-part series, she said. Yeah, that makes sense, and, and uh, I'd, I'll be tuning in for it, that's for sure. The only thing I get worried about with these things are when the people that are, you know, uh, starred in it, like they have a lot of control over what is said or what is, you know, what has been put out, out there on the documentary because sometimes it can be so favorable – to that person like i want the authentic story i don't care if right. they're flawed like i think it's really interesting when people are flawed so i like to see all the flaws they have i think Shaq will be pretty genuine in this like he like you just said judah he has admitted a lot of his things that he's done and a lot of things that he's done wrong so i don't think he'll be one of those guys that you know uh is scared away from doing that but you know that's the only thing that worries me about these sports documentaries is like I want the real story. I don't want like the fake story that make you sound better like the Brady you. stuff yeah. and, and Jeter. I yeah. mean, a lot of these guys are so right. That, that, that's what's so good about and... the Last Dance was that you know Jordan opened up and he was emotional in it, and like you yeah. could tell it mattered, and he was telling the truth. Like that's the kind of stuff that you want to see. And yeah, he still had like didn't he have 
editorial, you know, rights in that one. Jordan, he had, he with had Jason some Aaron. sort of. I don't know if he had complete control, but he definitely had some sort yeah. of say in what got put out there. Yeah. So like that, that was kind of I think the right balance because to your point, Stephen, there were some of those like, oh wow, that's what MJ's like moments but also i don't think they put anything out that he didn't give his blessing on either so if you could find that that balance it's it's easier said than done i did not watch the jeter stuff me neither did you no so (laughs) i don't really know if he had those moments i don't know what kind of reviews it got or not but i heard it didn't i think that kind of says something right Mm -hmm. like when jeter comes around for his docuseries and all of us are like huh that tells you kind of what we you know, already think of him as an athlete. It's polished, clean-shaven, Yankee guy, Yankee lifer. Like, outside of diehard Yankee fans out there, and I know they're out there that want to see Jeter content, like how many of us other casual fans, and we love sports docs. Like, how can you not love a good sports doc? We're like, yeah, I got to see all the Jeter stuff, unless there's, you know, fruit baskets involved. Yeah, I didn't have a ton of interest in it, A, because I knew how it was going to be. It was just going to be all the positives and the kind of that manufactured – uh, personality. If and we did a sports doc on you, what would what would you want us to include? Mm, that's Peter Sam's the rise and fall and rise and the rise ri- and rise. Yeah, yeah, it would be from from Peter to Samson, uh, <laughs> the rise, the fall, and then from Samson to Peter. I'll have to think about from that. From Carlton boy to national radio host of the Pulse. Yeah. It may, well, we got to go national first, and then uh, once we do, we'll make the dock. And then you return home, and you're like, this this huge deal, and all, all 300 people of Carlton come out to <laughs> sing your praises and to give you wine and cheese. I'll have you know there are 1,400 people in Carlton now. Thank what did you I very say? much, what 300. That's nah, a rounding error. That's about what it was when I grew up there, though, man. It was tiny. It's Beautiful crazy to place. See. Uh, you know, that's what they say. Carlton, if it wasn't for the, the people there, Carlton would be fantastic. Does, does Dave need to go visit Carlton? I mean, he has uh, Damian Lillard Toyota just about five miles from there. And, that's and that's C- my, my town. Yeah, and CJ bought the vineyard just outside of Carlton, too. They've been oh, there. Oh, yeah. Black Walnut. So, yeah. so, Car- so Carlton better than the coast, is what you're saying? No, not even well, remotely. Right. Not even heard. remotely. What is with, how can you not have a problem with him not going to the coast? It's been 10 years. Why? He like has tied himself to this city, this town, this market, loyalty with caps, and he has not been to the coast. Like, to why? me, that deserves a boo. But why do I care what he's done, what he yeah. doesn't do? Like, I don't care that he hasn't gone to the coast. Yeah, he's tied, he, you said it, though. He's tied himself to the community, so it doesn't yeah. make me feel like, what? He doesn't like it here. He loves it here. He's just never been to the coast. It's nah, cool. He loves it here, and he's never been to the coast? Yeah. Look, I love the yeah, coast. Okay. I love the coast, but it's cold there. Like, it's always cold. Like, why do, if, he's, if I'm Damien Lillard, I'm not going to somewhere that's you super cold. You can whale watch. There's a million B&Bs. You can go to the Newport. You can go to Depot Bay, and you can get some saltwater taffy, and it is delicious. Dame can buy his own whales and watch them from his backyard. How Dame... Yeah, that's true. How How Dame has not gone to the Christmas cottage in Lincoln City is beyond me. do not get me started on that. It's beyond me. It's literally open whenever the hell you want. Like, that's the place you go for Christmas gifts, Dame. I can't understand the idea of how that place can stay open year-round. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. As he touches his nose. Hey, don't worry about it. Forget about it, right? I, I know exactly how to stay open. <laughs> yeah, do you? Uh, what? Huh? No. You know how people write forget about it? Like I do, yeah. I for the life of me, like I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> so like, whenever I saw weird yeah, diseases, I was this? like, yeah. why the hell do people write fuck it about it? 
Oh, no. <laughs> Ready yeah. to dump that? Yeah, sorry, German that my, is weird. That was my partyism. <laughs> was like, why do you write uh, Fuga to boot it? Like, I had no idea. And someone was like, uh, that's how you say forget about it in, in typo slang. And I'm like, oh, well, that's that makes so... a lot of sense now. I love Fuga that. Fuga to boot it. I was like, what the hell is that? It's like Dutch for some sort of uh, 18th century steamship. Exactly. A Fuga, a Fuga to boot it. Dude, but it, it's not like it's his first contract. Like, it's 10 years. He is the king of Portland. And have uh, not gone to the coast. I don't know. To me, that's I've got more of a problem with that than you guys do. Apparently, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, look, he's got three months off a year. You go home. You you do your Adidas business. You do all that. But also, if I'm making fifty million bucks a year, I'm going to a different coast. I just am. And I say that I love the Oregon coast. It's great. It's beautiful. But you can't play in the water. You can't. There's a bunch of stuff you can't do. Again, I'll never forget the first time I went to SoCal. I wanted to hate that place. I wanted to hate everyone in it. And I rolled up in Orange County. I go to Huntington Beach, and I said, "Oh, this is paradise. This is the greatest oh, thing. The, the water's 73 degrees, and like it's just great. It's great." But but it's a beach. Yeah, okay. it's not a coast. We don't have beaches here. We but we have the coast. Beverly Beach. We got we got a beaches. Is that named after Beverly Clary? I don't know who it's named after. But to your point, though, yeah. I my sister w- lived in L.A. for a while, visited her one summer, Yo. into LAX, step out of LAX. Within an hour, I've got my feet. It's 70-degree water yeah. within yeah. and out in my hand. Can't beat it. You can't. Like, that was freaking awesome. I was like, I could see why people live here. Yeah, and it makes for all the negatives of that area. And boy, oh, boy, are there a lot. I mean, again, the There's weather. a lot. Every day, you know, it's 76 degrees, warm water. It's, it's just gorgeous. I get it. Like, if you're into to nature and, you know, that the natural erosion and the history, like, the, the coast is beautiful. It is beautiful. I go to the coast a lot. And we have a family beach house uh, halfway between Newport and Lincoln City. And it overlooks. And I watch the beach. And it's wonderful. I like to go down there, again, when it's literally, like, 48 degrees and stormy. I love it. That's not for everybody. And I don't blame the, you know, a dude worth a quarter, you know, or a billion or $300 million who's super busy for not making his way out there. I just I, don't. I agree with you, Peter. I, I love the coast as well. Like, I was just down there a couple weeks ago. It was a great time. I had a great time. But, you know what, if I'm Damian Lillard, like, and I want a vacation, I'm probably not going to go to the Oregon coast. I'm going to go somewhere better. It's 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. How granular do we get? What? He's never been to Chinook Winds? Boom! Honestly, the next Rip City Caravan or whatever they do, Dame has to go to Lincoln City. Like, that's part of his next contract. <laughs> Everyone's getting mad at him for all the Portland things yet. Yeah. He's never had He's never run hood to coast. He hasn't? <laughs> oh, bull crap. Entire Rip City has loved him for his whole career, but no, hasn't been in the coast. Now oh, trade him. The trade tide him is now. turning. Trade him. The tide is turning. That's right. Could this mean Dame's not happy in Portland? Dame's yeah, not happy in absurd. Portland. It's like the onion for Portland. He's, he's been on the coast in L.A. He wants to go to L.A. Yeah. That must Gross. be it. All right, we'll go and come back. On the other side, we'll talk to Bruce Barnum, Portland State head football coach. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. Nubian Sampson in for Canzano.
Manzano on the BFT. It's time now for our weekly conversation with the head coach of Portland State football. To the park blocks we go. And Bruce Barnum is checking in on the show. Hey, coach, how are you? Hey, Judah. Thanks for having Portland State. Thanks for having the Vikes. And how are you? I uh, hope life is treating you right. I haven't, haven't talked to you in a while. I know. I know. I've missed you. Uh, how's Brody these days? You know, he's living life. He's he got an internship back at Chapel Hill, uh, my oldest, for all, he, all the Portland, Vancouver people driving, uh, my oldest kid. He wants to be an athletic director. Uh, he got an internship at Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina. He's enjoying football. They said they start basketball Friday, which is a whole different world back there. Uh, he said they had a Midnight Madness deal. Wow. You know, and it was the bottom part was sold out. It, he said it's a it's, it's a fun. He's enjoying it. He's enjoying North Carolina. Have you had a chance to uh, to visit Chapel Hill at any point? I'm sure you're busy, obviously, in season right now, so you may not have visited Brody yet. But uh, have you been out there before? You know, when we were younger, Outer Banks. You know, my I know my parents took their. Um, my dad was in the Coast Guard, so we're <laughs> always around the water somewhere. I know they had their. Uh, when you get married, the uh, thing, uh, the honeymoon. honeymoon I, yeah. I know they went to the lighthouse with the black and white stripes. They took us there when we were kids. You know, we surf fished. You know, but I was, I was, I was young. Uh, yes, I've been there. Do I remember it? Uh, just memories of you know, a striper and a crab, and that lighthouse. Your your uh, appearance last week got a lot of buzz. Stories about your dad. Stuff I, I had not heard before, Coach, but it was awesome. It was awesome. What kind of feedback did you get on that? And uh, I'm glad that, you know, the CIA let you back on this week. You know, um, it, it, it was it was unique, you know, uh, and hearing more about it and um, uh, the feedback, uh, you know, of a few people, you know, texting and said they didn't know that. And, yeah. Um, it was just unique. It is what pushed me to one of my – you know, uh, undergrad majors was history, and it just uh, kind of there was an interest in that just because of what my dad had lived, and um, you know, I still wasn't I wasn't around at that time, but my brother was. He he was a young pup, but just even hearing my grandparents how they were around, you know, at the TV, you know, just in Houston, they lived in Houston. His parents just staring, and the whole nation, you know, was watching that, and there was pops next to. Mussolini, all the world leaders, and it's a pretty strong deal. It's amazing. If uh, anybody uh, wants to check it out, find the podcast of last week's appearance with uh, Coach Barnum on the BFT from a week ago Tuesday, and uh, you'll get the full context. It was fascinating stuff. Um, Coach, uh, we were just joking in a segment previous. Damian Lillard apparently at the Blazer game last night revealed that in 10 years in Portland, he had never been to the Oregon coast. Do you, do you have a problem with that? Well, I understand it. Um, and the reason I say it is um, I, I have uh, quite a few uh, Oregon student athletes on my team, Judah. And we go, I, I don't do skit night anymore. You know, it used to be a tradition, football, camp, skit night. You know, anything yeah. goes, I canceled that uh, too much. <laughs> so we go to the beach. Uh, we go out. We have a day. We did it again this year. And we have, you know, reindeer games and 
Um, we break bread, have a huge meal, and I announce captains. Um, and uh, the reason I say it is the first time we went there, I had Oregonians on my team that had not been to the Oregon coast, uh, Washington coast. And I'm like, what? You know, that, that surprised me. But, you know, I, I understand. You, you get caught up in life. And, I mean, he's everybody in America knows him. He goes over there. And the last thing he's going to do is watch Seaside and try to win a Cupid doll. You know, everybody's going to want his photo op or, you know, sign and sign a ball, whatever, you know. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. He would have to go serious incognitos. He could probably go to Ecola State Park, you know, down that path that I think they closed and go down there. Not many people walk down there, and he's he could probably walk down there. And he's so athletic on his on one leg, but <laughs> he might get some privacy there. But I could see that maybe being an issue, and maybe he's just not an ocean guy, you know. Could be. Could be. He's a big sky guy. I know uh, the Weaver State background, uh, you guys played that. They look good a couple weeks ago, Weaver. I know it came at your expense a couple weeks ago, but. They did. They're, they're strong right now. Yeah. They're strong. They've done a heck of a job in facilities and building it up. And, um, you know, they're playing well right now. They've won some big sky championships. But, you know, no, I mean, he, he is. Uh, I, I wasn't the age to watch him. I followed him. But, you know, when I was that age, when I was at Eastern Judah, uh, we used to go. I'll never forget this. We used to go to the basketball games. You know, winter and Cheney, you got to find something to do. So we'd go to the arena go to every basketball and we had all the you know things that you do in college we had the money on the fish line we we would get the names of the guys and we were professional but we would get after them and there was one guy judah that just you know, i'm probably aging myself just used to we used to ride him and get on him and talk about his parents <laughs> And he wouldn't look at us a lick. Anyway, John Stockton and Gonzaga. <laughs> and I remember watching him going, you know, that guy's really good. He's, like, better than everybody else on the court. But that, and, and, you know, uh, that's comparable uh, when he was at Weber. I mean, I think he was – this will raise the, the Twitter world if anybody's – if anybody twits. But I think he was better than Stockton. Um, in college, because I got the chance to watch him at Weber, but anyway. Man, I, I can see that, though, because it's a different game, too, but, I mean, Stockton was great in his own right, but I couldn't imagine what Stockton was like in college. Oh, he was, he, he was, you know, he ran the court, yeah. he point guard, and he was, he, I think he was different, you know, than Lillard can shoot from, you know, 100 yards. No kidding. You know, Stockton was more the pass it off and the cis guy. And again, I'm not a. I'm going to make an ass out of myself. I don't know that game. Hey, uh, as well as most people. But you're going to Cheney this weekend, so yes. you still know people out there. You still got ties out there at all? I do. There'll be. Um, I'll have. There, there'll be a group. You know, I remember the, the largest we had. It, and it differs, but one time here, I know we played Eastern night, about 35, you know, guys that I went to college with come back. And and I, I know how many just because, hey, Barney, can we get tickets, you know. But um, there will be a group, you know. There's memories there, but um, it, it was an enjoyable undergrad if, uh, if you get out, if you're an outdoors person. I know it, uh, what are they, two and five this year? 
They'd uh, been through the gambit like us. Yeah. You know, they played Florida. They played two money games up FBS games. Um, same with us. They they've had a tough schedule. You know, and they have a new quarterback like we do. So um, it's kind of a, a mirrored image. But you know, it's a it used to be a rivalry. It used to be our last game of the year. Uh, we still. I mean, we still envision it that way. It's the damn cup. They call it the damn cup uh, that we're playing for. And, and it's on a red field. You know, the mighty Roos field is, is is red before they made it illegal to make your field a different color. So, Yeah, how do you I'm – not, I'm not into the red turf myself. You know, it's hard to watch on film. We yeah. watch film. We have all their games and we're watching it. And it's hard to see numbers. And, you know, when you – when you're watching the film, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be bright, yada, yada. I'll never forget the first time I saw it. We took a team there, and we did our walkthrough, um, like, Friday night, you know, driving over. And it was nothing. After you saw it, once you got it, it wasn't as shiny and that as you saw it on Video Kill the Radio Star. But um, it, it, it's a feel. Once once a whistle starts, it doesn't matter. When I think of uh, Eastern, I, I think of. Vernon, you know, balling out back then. Yeah, uh, a little yeah. bit after him, uh, Cooper Cup, and seeing what Cooper's doing now. Yeah. Uh, what was it? I'll ask you about Cooper. What was it like taking teams up against uh, Eastern Washington teams that had Cooper Cup on it? Well, uh, I, I remember Cooper Cup all the way back to his sophomore year, uh, third and twenty, double coverage, and he jumps up and he catches the football. I mean, who's this guy? You know, um, he was just, he, he was auto. Uh, a few things about Cooper Cup that I know, because there's a little bit of history there, because that year that he won it in 15, the, um, you know, player of the year is the year I won the national coach of the year. So we were back at that banquet together. Um, you know, families met. His aunt, some of his family lives over uh, Wally World area. I actually came and watched my youngest, Cooper, uh, some of his baseball games just because, you know, we got to know each other there because we were there for a couple of days. Um, but Cooper Cup, everybody talks about, you know, oh, he's got the, he's got a chance. You know, he's got the ability. Cooper Cup, what I know about him, worked harder than anybody I've ever seen in my life at the game of football. Um, and I, I think that's what sets him apart. You know, everybody's like, oh, he's this and that and this and that. But his work ethic in the sport and his profession, or in, in college, you know, I don't know what he's doing You know, now. I'm sure, I'm sure he's still working hard. But that set him apart. That's what I know about Cooper Cup. Yeah, it's, uh, it's working out for him. Won the Triple Crown last year. Good <laughs> for him. You know, got to be happy for him. It's awesome. That's big time stuff. How are you guys doing uh, health wise? I know you know we talk to you every week. Uh, early in the season, you guys were healthy and uh, and and it looked good. How is your team with overall health at this point? You know, I'll talk to you about it, Jude, because you asked. But you know, I don't have any excuses. We're two and five, and you know, we're not where we want to be. Um, but we're banged up. I lost. We had a great first half last week. Then I lose. I lost a two old linemen uh, first series of the third quarter, and it's just it seems like it just keeps washing us. You know, I'm, again, I'm trying to get some guys back. We got a guy back this week, uh, but uh, I got too many of those. You know, now they have those fancy scooter deals. Uh, 
too many scooters um, on the bikes right now, but yeah. uh, we're plugging through. You see some young guys stepping up and learning and finding a spot. Uh, I don't want to talk about, you know, who and what age and where they're at, you know, because my opponent might be listening, but you'll see some young guys on the football field. Everybody has it. Everybody faces it. Um, we just need to um, make sure those guys are ready, uh, make sure they're prepared to step up. But we're banged up. The bikes are banged up. Yeah. You know, Coach, uh, it's an easy conversation to, to have with you, and I always appreciate your candor uh, and your authenticity. What I find interesting at this point is, like, now you, you're facing some attrition. Like, we're at Halloween. It's cold. It's wet. It's ugly outside. Right. You know, you, you got some adversity. Like, we know the Bruce Barnum, that's the happy-go-lucky, but I know there's, uh, you know, take me inside your mentality of staying committed to the to the day-to-day, giving every day your very best, and also imposing that philosophy on your on your team and on those young guys that are, you know, still kind of getting their feet underneath them in the program. But you got to make the most of every day regardless of circumstance. Well, you try to prepare them for 40, not four years that they're here, Judah, you know, and resiliency, um, you know, getting stepping, getting back on the horse, whatever you want to call it, um, getting getting better, you know, uh, not quitting, you know. Uh, just there's some basic things that come in uh, that you address. But, and it's also, I've always, you've heard me say this probably, Judy, especially after your car got broken into that night back from that game. It's, it's all in the presentation, you know. Um, yes, it's uh, crisp fall, darker rain, but you know what? Uh, it's Halloween. It's a hell of a movie. Michael Myers was one of the toughest son bitches I've ever met in my life. Um, you can bob for apples. People dress up. There's positives to everything, you know. And football's made for this, you know. Football was, was supposed to be grass and rain and fog on a Friday night if you're high school or, you know. 105 kickoff college football Saturday. It's it, it's a fun time. I love fall. I love fall, but you know it's all on how you approach it. You know if you're going to be woe is me, um, uh, I try to teach them Judah. You know I, I know our issues. I, I know everything going on in my football team right now. My facilities. Talk about anything, but well, let's get some answers. You know anybody can bitch. Um, that's too easy. Well, I can get things fixed. Oh. Halloween candy. Uh, where do you stand on candy corn? You know, I, I like the normal one. The how'd you ask this question? I like the the ones you got as a, the orange and uh, white. I think. Yeah. Or yellow. I don't now. I, I was in the store the other day, right? Um, they had orange and brown ones. You know, yeah. that, that, that just throws me out. They it's probably good. taste the same. It's just a sugar triangle. You know, with a little, you know, different texture to it, but uh, it's not candy corn. It's, it's it's all it's the visual has to meet, you know, the taste. It it all comes together. Yeah, no, it's a holistic experience. Right. I don't know what that means, but I, I agree. I can't believe you remembered my car getting broken into. Oh boy! Oh boy! I'll have to share uh, that, that story on negative. the other side. <laughs> it, it's a positive and a negative, Judah. I have a photographic memory, which, you know, it's great for a lot of things, but uh, it also teaches you how to erase things. But 
I'll never forget that night. And we probably don't want to go there, but that was a, you know, that was Portlandia, man. <laughs> there, are, there are members of my family I've not told that story to <laughs> for that exact reason, Coach. But, uh, man, it's always great to connect with you, uh, Coach. Appreciate your, your candor and coming on the show with John each and every week. But uh, I'm glad I was able to talk to you this week. Hey, best of luck at Eastern Washington. And then two home games after that, Northern Colorado, Sac State. Then you go to San Luis Obispo, beautiful country down there for the uh, regular season finale with Cal Poly, but uh, appreciate the time, Bruce, as always. No, appreciate it, Judas. Good to hear you. And uh, thanks to uh, all the listeners out there. Drive safe. There he is, Bruce Barnum, head coach, Portland State football. I'll allude a little bit to what uh, to what he was referencing on the other side of the break. Great stuff. Love, love Barney. Oh, man, love Barney. Portland State at Eastern Washington. Uh, this Saturday at 1 o'clock. We'll go away, come back, more BFT, Nubian, Sampson, and Vaughn in for Kanzano on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back. Newbie Samson Vaughn in for JC. Always good catching up with uh, Bruce Barnum, fellas. One of a kind. Yeah, one of a kind. And he seemed to remember you. That's uh, you talked about some sort of incident. I'll try to uh, to keep this as as tight as possible. Two summers, I did play by play for the West Coast League Zone Portland Pickles. Uh, Coach Barnum's son Brody out of Wazoo played on that team mm. a couple of years. So I'm out there calling. So I ran to coach all the time at, at uh, Walker Stadium. We go on the road to uh, Wenatchee, Walla Walla, uh, Yakima. You know, have these road trips. Victoria, BC. I think I think one of these was Wenatchee. So it's an overnight weekend trip in the summertime. And you know, we park in the parking lot, and you are leaving your rigs there. A couple nights. I may or may not have been borrowing my sister's rig that summer because I needed wheels. And uh, we go on this Wenatchee trip. We come back. I think we leave on a Thursday or something like that. We come back on a Sunday. Maybe Monday at like 2 in the morning we're back Okay. in a parking lot in East Portland outside of Walker Stadium. And, you know, we everybody gets off the bus. We go to our respective rigs. And, uh, you know, I start to walk over to my car, and uh, I don't really notice anything. I'm like, hey, I'm just tired. I just need to go home. And I get right up to uh, the driver's side to throw my stuff in, and someone's in the car. Oh. A person is in the car. <laughs> what are they? Are they just? A human being is in the car. Are they, like, sleeping, or what? Like, what are they doing? I couldn't tell, but I was freaked the hell yeah. out. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? And it just a shiver went up my spine, like, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And so I went out and I uh, I turned my flashlight on my phone real quick and peered in. Someone's in the passenger seat and they, I, I saw like glasses looking at me. So I was like, is that an animal? Is that like a possum or something? And I was like, no, that's a person. So I was freaked out and also like, oh, my like. I don't want to die right now. Right. So 
Uh, I calmly walked back, you know, 20 yards behind me to, to the bus and uh, a Pickles assistant coach who used to work in law enforcement. And I was like, uh, hey, uh, Hop, Coach Hop, can you, uh, I think there's someone in my car. <laughs> He's like, what? And we walked over there and sure enough, you know, there was some poor, you know, person drugged up, you know. Right. It wasn't, they, they obviously locked my car and everything, but they still got in like they you know, made themselves at home for a little while, and uh, that freaked me out. But we had cops on the scene in like five minutes, and like all the teams stuck around to make sure that I was okay and my car was okay, and I still ended up uh, driving it home. Wow! It smelled a smell I I do not care to remember yeah. uh, before or since. But uh, Coach Bartum uh, probably remembers that story. Uh, or two, and it's uh, it's kind of taken legendary status around Pickleville was, since then. Was the guy in there? Was he? It was a girl. It was oh, a, it what? was a, it was a gal, I should say. Okay, you yeah. Know, probably, I, I don't know how old she was, but she had some wrinkles. Uh, not, but, but not like not like stealing stuff out of your car. Like presumably just in there to do drugs. Yeah. Not off. Yeah. That's it. I, I think probably tried to drive off at one point, but didn't know how. Yeah. So you know. See, that's why I have a stick shift. What it was? Yeah. So there you go. It there was you go. a yeah. stick. Oh, for that reason, exactly. And I drive a stick now too, but I I ain't parking over there. Yeah, I can't drive a stick, so I can't see their guys. Exactly. Car. I still have a stick. My wife is like, "You got it." I don't like that you have a stick because I can't take your car anywhere. And I'm like, "Well, that's okay. <laughs> you know, I'll just leave it there." But yeah, that's what he was referencing when he's like, "Even when you uh, get your car broken into, that happened, and that was that was a scary. Actually, it was pretty scary. Now to think about, like, yeah. I was scared." And shake it, shake it up by that. Like someone in your car for who knows how long they were in there, but like the cops came out and took care of it, like dragged the person out and arrested them and everything. Seems wow, like you, you were pretty calm about it though. Yeah. Like in the moment, you stayed calm. Which you is, don't want to spook them. They'll yeah, stab you. Yeah. Yeah. And That's I was not, like, I was a little a embarrassed job. too. I was like, why, why did my, my rig, you know, you could have picked anybody <laughs> right. else's, you, you know, got your way into this rig. It's like, oh, whatever. That's brutal. That's such a terrible. Thing. I've only had my car broken into once. Also, actually at Portland State, and the thing was, there was nothing of real value in there. It's, and I shouldn't blame myself as the victim. So I'm going to self victim blame. I had a backpack in there and it was visible. So someone just yoink and smack. But all that was in there was like, oh, congratulations, you got a second year Italian textbook. Enjoy that. <laughs> Enjoy that. You know that's going to be no good by next term because they up they constantly update them. Textbooks are a racket, but it ruined my day. It cost me like four hundred bucks. I was a college. I was working in college radio nineteen hours a week. That's all the money I was making. It's like thanks, thanks, congratulations. Well, Enjoy that. I, and I also, you know, maybe this is just me being foolish. Trust me, no one's broken into one of my cars in three years, so I'm on a good roll. Hey. Not that I know of. But uh, there was that incident, Carmelo's home opener at Moda Center. You and I were both we there, We were there, Peter. yeah. This was the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, I, I think I remember something happening here. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. This is why, if you ever go to a Blazer game, never park on Larrabee. Oh, no. Is it Larrabee? There, it's it's that street, you know, yes. three or four blocks away from, well, maybe more like a, a half mile away from the arena. You can get free curbside parking yeah. if you go there early enough. Yes. Don't. <laughs> Don't find a lot, because uh, similar to you, duffel bag visible. Uh, they could have taken a lot more. They left my Bible in my journal somehow, but uh, they took you know all my other clothes that were in there. And I was in charge of the pumpkin butter that day and everything, like and the walnut salad for Thanksgiving. And 
It really, you know, well, they smashed are. a window and grabbed all my stuff. This I was is like, coming that sucks. This is flooding like, back to me. Why did we sign Carmelo anyway? If you steal terrible. a Bible, though, that's kind of bad, right? That's bad juju there. Well, that's a good question because I've had so. this thought. It's like, well, do I want them to have the Bible? Because good for them, you know. Hope, you know, maybe they read it. I'm not a religious man, so I just I I can't imagine if I was robbing somebody that I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna take their Bible too. Like I would leave that also. Yeah. Well, yeah. my journal was the one. I was like, I would be pissed if they took the journal. They, I mean, they did it, not. They took my sweet sunglasses though. That's at least. Like, obviously, in a very immoral act, that's at least somewhat moral. Like, hey, this has no monetary value. I can't sell this and put it in my arm. So I'll leave him his thoughts. Thank you. What a nice criminal. I know, right? (laughs) But after that, I could never root for Carmelo the way I used to. Wait, so you blame Carmelo for it? I do. I do blame Carmelo for it. And myself a little bit. You know what's funny? You mentioned sports docs earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just got around to watching what I thought was the new Jeremy Lin doc. Mm, My mm-hmm. wife and I ended up, we're like, oh, it's uh, it's Lin Sanity. So I thought it was the new one. Uh, it's not. It was the one that was released in 2013, and I didn't know oh. that until after the fact. But I didn't even know there was an old one. Lin Sanity he made in 2013, about, or 2013, 2014, yeah, yeah. about the uh, 2012, February of 2012, Lin Sanity happened. And she didn't know any of it, and uh, but it was super, super cool to watch that, but Seeing Carmelo in in Linsanity was pretty funny too, and be like, "Oh yeah, Carmelo had some bad Knicks teams, and just uh, brutal." Yeah, he was not quoted in the doc. Amazingly, I'm not shocked. I mean, it, it, look, <laughs> everyone knows that Melo was kind of jealous of the attention that Jeremy Lin got, and I don't blame Melo on those Knicks teams for just jacking up 21, you know, mid-range twos and jabs stepping into the fourth dimension because who the hell else was he going to give the ball to outside of three magical weeks with Jeremy Lin? But that being said, that was such a cool moment, and it's not really confirmed, but it's it's essentially confirmed. You know, it, it kind of rubbed Melo the wrong way that someone else was getting that star treatment for a little bit from the yeah. press. Yeah, uh, D'Antoni was coaching, and... Amari, Steve Blake, I think, was on the Knicks. That, or, no, he was on the Lakers. So he yeah, was in the 38 yeah. in the Garden. That's the new doc that Lynn did, 38 in the Garden. I have not seen that, but apparently he, he that's the new one that's out uh, right now. But the, thinking back to Linsanity, that is legitimately crazy that it happened. So I, remember, cool. I remember as it was, I was yeah. in college, but watching in the Toronto game, watching the Laker game, and all that, I just giggling to myself and all my friends. It's like, how is this happening? This dude cannot be stopped. Yeah, it was wild. And, and I mean, anyone that goes on a run like that, like we've seen Damian Lillard go on runs like that, but he's Damian Lillard to have, who was essentially at the time a nobody, you know, not a powerhouse college, bounced around a little. He got waved, I think it was by the Warriors, ended yeah. up with the Knicks, and then out of nowhere just explodes for that 10-game stretch. I mean, that's something that, I mean, don't get me wrong, the worst dude in the association can ball out of his mind. The worst guy. But, like, I don't know that we'll see an explosion exactly like that again. And, you know, and props to Jeremy Lin for turning that into a good career. Like, he played in the NBA for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, props well, so to that's that. what I was trying to explain to my wife because I, was, I wasn't sure how to characterize his NBA career because, like, she was like, oh, so he wasn't good again after that? And I'm like, well, he got injured a lot. Yeah. He's a quality he a, journeyman. Yeah, but, he, but he, would you call it a, a quality NBA career? Oh, a great NBA career. Yeah, yeah I mean, he played for... What, seven, eight years probably? Okay. I would say. Yeah. Because he signed in free agency with Houston, mm-hmm. who apparently was the only team to offer him in free agency after Linsanity. 
Like the Knicks didn't offer him. Houston was the only team to offer him. That's a little surprising. That, like, yeah, I can see that teams would go like, "Well, flash in the pan. You're not going to do that again." But you would, I mean, you would think at least someone needs a backup yeah, n- point nine guard. Nine-year NBA career. Nine-year NBA. Career. Not bad. Yeah. And he, he won a ring with the uh, Raptors, despite That's not right. really playing. Yeah. So <laughs> that yeah. was his final year. Yeah. Ultimately, good career for Jeremy Lin. Like, I obviously would never reach the Lin Sanity peaks, but uh, it was still really cool to kind of re- revisit that. My wife's family's from China, you know, and, and his, you know, him coming over, and Yao was quoted in yeah. it, and Yao goes on for a while about, you know, what Jeremy Lin meant. So, I don't know, it was really cool to to see that perspective, and uh, I think he's still playing out in Asia somewhere. I'm not entirely sure. That wouldn't but, surprise me. Yeah. I'll, I'll cool. have to find that new doc. I'll look yeah. for that. That's 30, cool 38 stuff. 38 in the garden, yeah. 38 in the garden. That's awesome. All right, well, go away, come back, and wrap up shop. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. <laughs> Truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Final segment of the program. It's been a quick one, quick three hours. If you're in the Portland area, keep it right here in just four minutes. I keep it going for another hour with my local show, The Pulse. We've got so much to talk about. Trailblazers, Oregon Ducks, Beavers, a whole bunch of stuff going on. I will run that down on The Pulse. If you're not in the Portland area, you can always grab a podcast of the program. Just search for The Pulse with Peter Sampson. And even if you are in the Portland area, you're going to want to subscribe to the podcast because while I'm being preempted by Monday and Thursday night football here on the Portland station, I'm doing a couple podcast-only editions of the show. Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm pumping that out so I can uh, get a little bit more content out there, uh, get it back up to four times a week. I'm keeping it just like half an hour. I'm not overdoing it. There's no need to make it an hour. There's no clock. It is a little more PG-13. I did get a few people that were very surprised on the first edition to hear a tiny bit of language. Nothing too bad, but, you know, just a few things I can't say on the air. You know how it is. You have to put a parental advisory little sticker on there? I, I did, Mark, click the little checkbox that says explicit. And I'm sure that people <laughs> that are subscribed to it already are like, wow, how in the world does, did a sports radio show all of a sudden become explicit? Let's just say I was describing Russell Westbrook's jump shot. There's no other way to say it, though, besides that. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah, that's the only way you can do it. You know. All I was doing was telling the truth. Yeah, they're not. are they bad words if it's the truth? And that's the real question, right? No one's going to be offended by that. No more offended than they would be looking at Russell Westbrook's jump shot. So it is what it is. You can just uh, search for The Pulse with Peter Sampson wherever you get a podcast, and you can get hooked up with that delivered right to your device. So it was a great show today. I do want to thank Judy Newby, of course, Stephen Vaughn. John Wilner was fantastic as always. Bruce Barnum was very fun. I noticed you did not have to press the dump button. No, I, uh, you know, there was a stretch there where I thought, you know what? He's, uh, he may have to, I may have to press this, but no, he did, he did a good job and he stayed on track and I like it. Yeah. And if nothing else, he, uh, led us to learning about the time that Judah Newby found a chick, I'm assuming napped out in his car, which is, uh, well, that's something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Judah was, you know, talking about it afterwards and he, he was pretty shook by it. You know, I would, yeah. I mean, that's, I can't a- imagine. That's a, it's a really weird feeling. Like if you've ever woken up and like f- found someone in your house or something like yeah. that. He stayed disc- so calm. Like, I feel like I would, 
make the wrong choice, I would like overreact, just like yell or something, and then get stabbed. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you only have two choices. One is to take it really easy, and the other is overreact to the max. It's that middle ground that gets yeah. you hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So very, very good stuff there. If you missed either of those interviews, you can grab the podcast of those as well, where you can get a podcast or at 750thegame.com. With that, we are out of time. Tomorrow on this show, we've got a couple great guests, by the way. Mark Few, Gonzaga coach, and Jonathan Smith are lined up as guests for tomorrow, so you're not going to want to miss that here on the BFT Radio Network. With that, appreciate you rolling with me on your Tuesday. I'm Peter Sampson for Kanzano. I'm out.